Stay golden. Hurricane. And welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine. And man, what a year it has been. This is uh, actually our final episode of the year. Uh, a lot of times we will take off the summer just for Ryan and I's sanity so that we don't have to edit a bunch of episodes uh, all year round. But we thought a fun way to kind of end the year would be to do maybe a holistic look at Tulsa sports. So like a lot happens across this, this past year. And so we're just going to kind of dive into it. And like, I don't want to say break down, like it's not going to be a, I feel like a detailed look at every sport in any way, but you know, just kind of the year of Tulsa's year. Yeah. Sounds good. And you mentioned, I was saying like uh, at the beginning, you know, we are a weekly podcast. Like I always say, and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, usually, but yeah, you know, like you said, we, uh, we have every year taken off most of the summer uh, to kind of recoup, re, um, you know, just reevaluate, uh, not reevaluate. That's the wrong word. Uh, re recharge. recharge. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. And just, you know, take it easy for a little bit. Um, take off. There's not a ton of sports going on. Uh, Tulsa doesn't have men's baseball or anything like that. It's happening. Softball will be happening. We'll be following that, but um, it's a nice time to like reevaluate our podcast setup. Usually the summer is the big, like, what can we improve about our entire setup? Right. We now over the years have significantly upgraded pretty much everything about both of our setups. And I'm sure that will be happening again this summer. We'll make some changes. Uh, so it's stuff like that. It's a nice time to, to take off and doing this podcast is a lot of time, you know? And so it's nice to, uh, not have that 24 seven all the time, a little bit of a break. And then you can bet that we will be back in a big way, uh, come football season. Man, we've got so many exciting things I feel like planned, just like guest ideas, people that have reached out to us to want to like be on the podcast kind of stuff. So I feel like next year, like I think our podcast grew quite a bit this past year. Mm -hmm. And I think next year is just going to be bigger. And I feel like a lot of that is, you know, the university is we talk about that renaissance ever since we had Brad on the show. And like there's just been I feel like a new energy that's kind of permeated in the last few months and i think that's kind of like a you know rising tide floats all boats kind of ships i don't, I don't know what the actual phrase is but that's kind of what it feels like um like part of it is i feel so much like energy and excitement for next season's podcast already yeah. uh just because like there's so many things i can't wait for football i can't wait for basketball you know both men and women's like there's just a lot of fun things that are happening right now and so like obviously like, sure, we're not going to have episodes, you know, maybe if something big happens, like might do like a 15 minute episode. I'm not putting Ryan on the hook for that because I know he likes to uh, do like a total detox. But, you know, like we're going to have a potentially a new mascot. And so it's like, yeah, we're going to be active on like social media, you know, here and there. So we we won't be gone. I would uh, I would put money if we have a new mascot reveal over the summer, which it sounds like that's at least what somebody from the Tulsa world was thinking. I think it was Bryce or maybe it was Bill Hayes. I can't remember, but somebody was talking about it. Whenever that happens, if it's not during our normal schedule of August to April, then 
we will definitely have an emergency episode, I think, about a new mascot because that is extremely exciting. We'll talk about that a little bit later on too. But yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And what you said about uh, the new energy and stuff, like we've talked about it in several episodes in a row now, I think, but it just, we have definitely felt it on our side. I mean, the listener numbers were way up recently with all the new stuff going on. Just like the energy of like on Twitter, everybody's engaged and happy and like excited about the future. It's just like super obvious, you know? So uh, that has been very fun. We got coaches drinking coffee out of podcast merch. Like <laughs> that's the world we live in now. It's true. If you don't know what Matt's talking about there, Angie Nelp on Twitter posted that she was drinking a, drinking a nice morning coffee out of our Hurricast mug. By the way, thegoldenhurricast.com slash merch. You can buy one yourself. All right, let's do this thing. We got a lot of uh, interesting stuff to cover here. We're kind of treating this as an athletics year in review uh, for this episode. So we're going to look at some of the like best games of the year. Uh, we're going to hand out some awards. We're going to give a report card to every sport and how we think they did this year. We're going to talk some non-just game-related things, but just events that happened during the year that were big events. Um, and obviously with you know the NFL draft. So we're going to talk about what all went down during those three days. There was a big one, uh, obviously, everybody knows. And then we'll talk about some of the other things, too. Uh, so a lot of stuff to get to. Let's start, I guess, Matt, if you're cool with it. Um, just kind of running through some of the best games of the year across all sports. And I don't know if we're going to – I'm sure we'll miss somebody's, you know, like pet favorite game uh, that they loved. Uh, but we do not have time to talk about every possible good game. So these are the ones that came to the top of our head. Um, and I guess – I don't know. Do you want to do this? We're not going to talk about every sport, I'm sure, but I guess if we have more than one in a sport, we should do all the same sport games at I a time. So. That makes sense. You know, keep it at least cohesive. So <laughs> yeah. it's not, we're not just all over the wall. Yeah, that sounds good. Do so you want to start with football? Do you want to kick us off here or do you want, do you want me to go? I think you should. I'm curious to hear what you're – because honestly, yeah. like for football, it was, it was kind of hard for me, and I'll just preface this. Like there was no one game that I was like – that was incredible. Like last year, I think there were a couple that you can point yeah. to. And it's like this one, our wins were just kind of like stressful. And our <laughs> losses were, some of our losses were bad. Yes, so, it's true. I'll let, um, I'll let you kick it off. And then I'm curious to see if we have the same thought. I've also got some worst games of the year. And so I'll get to those later too. Um, but yes, I, there are there are definitely some football ones in the worst games of the year. But uh, yeah, so football, I've got only one from football for best games of the year. And that was our 34 to 31 win over SMU final regular season game of the year. Got us ball eligible, right? So a bunch of good stuff in that one. Down 17 to nothing in the second quarter, if you remember that. Scored 31 unanswered points. Right after we were down 17-0, uh, came back and won at 34-31. to uh, Other little note from that game, Braylon Braxton's first career touchdown came in that one. It was a, it was a run, I think, on fourth down. It was one of his many fourth down runs uh, that we saw this past season. Uh, but that one ended in a touchdown in his first one in his career at TU. So that was cool. Big comeback win over a rival. Gets us ball eligible. Sends it to the, to the Myrtle Beach ball, which we end up winning. And I, that's the, I think that was the best football game of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I and that was the one, like the only one that kind of jumps out to me as best game of the year. Like the other two candidates that I was kind of debating between it, and I knew that it was like there's really only one. You can't point to this year and be like, this is a year where we had so many exciting games. Yeah. Like Temple was fun because we finally blew somebody out. And like I feel like we saw our offense and our defense kind of click in ways that we hadn't seen for the rest of the year. Like everybody had always just been out of sync or something just kind of like went off. Um, and the other one was probably the Memphis game. Uh, granted, so like Memphis, I 
That was homecoming, I'm pretty sure. Memphis was homecoming, yeah. That was the only other one because it's like that was a fun game because like we put up 35. We were never losing uh, to my knowledge. And like we just played well. A lot of our other games, even when we won South Florida, like that was terrifying. Thought we were going to lose to South Florida. <laughs> yeah, weren't we up like, really our, big in that game, right? Or, or no, maybe was it close all no, game? No, I don't remember we what were, happened. We were game. losing at halftime and then we barely won. Like, Oh then, like, yeah, we more. were down all game. Yeah, we took yeah. the lead for the first time with like 40 seconds left. I remember I remember this now. Yeah, that's right. Like Tulane, we should have lost. Um, yeah, so not, real uh, uh, quick one on the Tulane. That was my weirdest game of the I have a separate little thing for weirdest game of the year across all sports. And Tulane, the football game against Tulane, I have as the weirdest game. It was an overtime win. 20 to 13 in overtime. And like Matt said, it was ugly. Like we were it was a, as as a lot of the Tulane games have gone recently. They're very boring the entire game. And then it becomes this kind of wild, very often disappointing, but the last couple years in a row, uh, very exciting wins for Tulsa. And this one, we were up 13 to three late in the fourth quarter and almost threw that away. Tulane scored to make it 13 to 10 with like three minutes left. And then they recover an outside kick, right? And they tie the game with a minute, a minute left. So then we get the ball back and, it's all, all that we think we're going to do, you know, I guess we think we're, we might go score or something. I don't know. But with no time left, basically, just trying to get this thing to overtime, we throw a pick and Tulane takes over from our 24-yard line. And so they get a field goal from right there. They drive a little bit. They get a 26-yard field goal attempt from their dude, Merrick Glover. And, of course, if you watch that game, you remember uh, he missed from 26-yarder to win the game. So we go to overtime, and then we close the door. And Shamari Brooks scored in overtime. Tulane, uh, we stopped him on their first series. They didn't even uh, get a first down. And that's how that game went. But just, I mean, 13-3 to with three minutes left in this game. And then Tulane comes back with a chance to win on a 26-yard field goal, misses. We go to overtime, and we beat him there. Just the weirdest game of all time, or at least this year, for sure. That, that gets my award there. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people were pointing to that. Like, if had we lost that game, like, who knows if we would have had two coaching changes. Because yeah. it was like, you look back, like, special teams was just kind of like the Arkansas State game, atrocious. Like, we yeah. barely, we beat them relatively close uh, for, like, what we should have done to the worst def- – like, one of the five worst defenses <laughs> in the country. Yeah, um, right. But, yeah, like – and so, like, on that Memphis one, that's also, like, sweet retribution for, like – their kicker missed three field goals yeah, in that game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which yeah, is just yeah. like, uh, I live for that after Memphis two years ago. Oh yeah, so, for sure, man. But yeah, yeah. And Tulane All was things. the beginning. And Tulane was the beginning of our four win streak to close that season. And we needed to win the game to have a chance at a bowl game. You know, and it, I mean, it's just it's crazy. And so to have that happen, and uh, it just yeah, maybe saved Philip Montgomery's job. Who knows? You know, it's nice to you know uh, have some conjecture about it. But like, we win that one, and then we win two more. We get to a bowl game, and then we win the bowl game. That was the beginning of it. It was it was just just wild. Yeah, and so I feel like that just shifts shifts a lot of the trajectory of the uh, how people are feeling. Like you go, yeah. Like even winning the bowl game is huge. Like you lose that bowl game, it's like okay, oh, bowl for games sure. aren't aren't the biggest deal, but a loss there is like six and seven versus seven and six like very different feelings totally feel. absolutely yeah could not agree more i feel like i don't know at least me personally i'm feeling pretty optimistic about next football season and what we've got coming back obviously we just lost a bunch of guys to the freaking nfl which is awesome but uh you know i'm still optimistic i mean we didn't lose many on offense uh, except for the line of course um, but the skill players are all are all back for the most part minus josh johnson 
So I feel pretty good. Like it's a good looking squad. Davis Brin, hopefully big two year or second year starter jump. And I, do, do I feel that same way if we lose to Old Dominion in the, in the Myrtle Beach Ball? Probably not. Like Old Dominion's not a big like powerhouse team. But the fact that we won and beat them by, uh, what is that, 13? That's, I mean, that's nice. And we dominated just, them all game. Yeah. It was, it didn't feel close. Yeah. Like no. we just kind of controlled. And yeah, I, so I'm cautiously optimistic. I will not let myself get nearly as optimistic as I was last year. Cause what <laughs> we were putting out like eight, nine wins or something. I know, man. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this game later, how we yeah. start off the season. Yes, no so, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's like, I, I feel good about going bowling next year. That's, that's yeah. what I'm going to say. Me too. I'm, I don't want to say like anything beyond that. That's fair. Safe way to say it. And I, yeah, I agree. I don't know. You don't want to get over out over your skis. I think we did that a little bit, a, a little bit going into this year and it ended up okay. But uh, man, for a while it been, was, though. yeah, it could have been very bad. Uh, funny. All right. Um, want to move on to men's basketball? Yeah. All right. How about you kick us off here? Okay. Well, I'm going to go with the one. There's two. Okay. So I'm going to go because I was here personally and that is senior day against UCF and just no doubt because like this was a year there weren't that many great men's basketball games like, and okay. Yeah. Maybe that's obvious. We fired like our coach was had a forced resignation. So you would expect, (laughs) you know, this obviously wasn't our season, Mm -hmm. but the way I think it really seems like, are we just going to limp into the postseason and have a classic Frank Haith, like do nothing. And then that two game stretch um with UCF and then our first game in the conference tournament like it just you know it was fun to experience a buzzer beater on senior day from Dryahorn you know in his return to campus like you know was here 2 years ago left for Colorado went to the NCAA tournament and came back to give you know one more ride with Darian Jackson and all them and just to like hit that shot against UCF of all teams yeah. who's like, you know, top three least favorite teams in the conference uh, is just, was just so incredible. And it was like the most, like I honestly, did I get super excited? A lot of games. Like, I feel like I wasn't screaming at a ton of basketball games this year. No, absolutely. Just because <laughs> yeah. like the, there are three distinct ones that I remember and we only won one of them. Mm-hmm. The other, we were up by a lot at halftime and then got blown out by Memphis. And then Houston, like we made it close, but we couldn't pull it off. Yeah. And so, like, honestly, the Houston game was probably one of our best games that we played all year. Oh, yeah. uh, Just knowing how good Houston was. Yeah. Lost by two, right? Yeah. Two, like two or three, something. It was super close. And like, yeah, there was the chance that we pull it off. Like we always play better against Houston at home. And it looked like that was going to be three years in a row. Yeah. But the UCF one was just like takes the cake for me. Yeah, it's weird. The uh, I was thinking about these games, looking down the schedule and everything, and it's just like so clearly the two, the two really only two good win, good at all wins basically were the last two wins of the season, which came in a row, like you said, UCF, and then uh, I'll talk about the other one here since you talked about UCF, but Wichita State was the other good one, you know, seventy three sixty seven win in the conference tournament, first conference tournament win since twenty seventeen, I think was the was the year. Uh, we talked about that uh, several weeks ago when we were talking about. Um, right after we won that game. I'm pretty sure it was 2017. And we had four guys, you know, a lot of the team like played really well that game. It was one of Darian Jackson's best games of the season in his career, I think. He just played great. Uh, a lot of guys played well in that game. 21 from Sam Griffin. Uh, Darian had 20, 17 from Dryahorn. Horn. 
um, kept uh, Travis Etienne in check. Or wait, Travis Tyson. Tyson. Who's Travis Etienne is the Clemson running back from a few years ago, wasn't he? <laughs> Just mixed up that name. Uh, Tyson Etienne. Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kept him in check, and um, and the whole like yeah, and now like you look at Wichita, their whole team is transferring. They have like one returning player who got averaged more than five minutes a game or something, and so. That all is very that all is very good. That was a huge win. Um, Wichita always an awesome team to beat. So that was there. And then like after, but after like like I was saying earlier, after those two games, there are no good wins. Like we had the Wichita State win was the only top one hundred Ken Palm win the entire year. Looking at it now, uh, UCF has ended one hundred four in Ken Palm. So I think they were a top one hundred win at the time, but not anymore. Cincinnati one hundred one, so almost squeaking into the top one hundred, but not quite. And the only other close ones are Rhode Island at 132 and Southern Illinois at 125 and everything else is not very close. So it was just an ugly year and it's hard to take many, you know, look back and all the, find a bunch of good wins that happened. But um, there were plenty of bad losses. And I'll talk about those in a little bit. But yeah, uh, those were definitely those the two best ones. Long time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, let's move to women's basketball here. Some of the biggest games of their side. Uh, and they this had one notable. This is the hardest one of the three that we've done so far already. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. I, I I picked one from here that stuck out to me. But honestly, I was having like we went to so many of these games. But I was having a tough time remembering like separating them in my head. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But anyway, um, you know, women's basketball hell of a year had their record breaking uh, 10 win streak, 10 game win streak to start the season off. Um, best start to the season in women's basketball history for TU. So what do you pick from this? And the one I picked was the 72 to 69 road win at Memphis. And I remember that game being awesome. I'm pretty sure it came down to like, we hit a three really late. I think that gave us that lead and then Memphis didn't come back. I don't think it was a buzzer beat. Like I don't think it was a buzzer beating three. I think we maybe hit it with like 20 seconds left and then held them or something. But um, I mean, it was just, I remember it being a huge win. I remember being very excited when, when that shot went down and that it happened First win at Memphis since 2015-2016 season for the women. So just a big one all around there. So that, that one gets my vote. Yeah, no. So that's the first one that comes to mind because I feel like that is kind of, obviously, you know, they start off the season 10-0. and 0, And so they were already getting on everybody's radar. Like people were like, whoa, something's happening here. Like this is not what we've seen in the years past. Yeah. Um, and so it's like from that, just like the South Alabama game, um, kind of sticks off, uh, sticks out as like that was one of the best games of the year because that was the tenth win, um, and it's like man, had they pulled, had they been able to you know keep San Francisco out, like how long could that streak have gone? Who knows? Like it could have gone another two or three games, um, but yeah, that Memphis one is kind of the first one that I think set the tone for the team, like really going forward because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the time. You know, like our non-conference schedule was, you know, not super strong. Um, Just like the quality of opponents that we were playing. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's like, we'll do decent in non-conference and then kind of, you know, start to falter when you get to conference play. Mm -hmm. And to have this be the first game that you play in conference and it was this. Yeah. Like that was one of the most, that was the most exciting basketball game I had watched up to that point. And this was like January by then. Uh, so we had already yeah. had like two months of men and women's basketball at the time. Yeah. You're saying so, it was yeah. the most exciting game between men and women, right. That you would yeah, watch up to like, then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, 
so exciting. Maddie Biddle hits that three with like 12 seconds left to put us up three. It was Biddle. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was her or Poindexter. Okay. So it was Biddle. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Memphis scores one more to make it a one point game. And then uh, Tamara Poindexter hits free throws to kind of make it, you know, nail in the coffin with three seconds left. Nice. And so then you, when like Memphis came to Tulsa, like, is it going to be similar? It's like, no, at that point we just kind of blew them out of the water. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and so the the other game that I think is like the next mo- most exciting, uh, and it's similar to the men's side, is beating Wichita in the conference tournament. Yeah. Right. Um, so like we beat, I believe the women swept Wichita uh, this past year, which is always exciting. Let me double check. Yeah. So we beat Wichita all three times, but in the conference tournament, like we were down towards the end. Yeah. Made it like came back into overtime and then just like. One by two, and yeah, that game was we amazing. all remember like, mem- like Wichita just kind of gave up on that last possession. Like we destroyed their spirits. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, then, oh yeah, I forgot. That was so weird. Yeah, they like stopped. The, yeah, yeah, and then like it almost it was so close to then winning beating Wyoming. Oh my god, so, yeah, I know. Like, I was going to talk about been, the Wyoming like, game too. Oh my god, so like, awesome. There were just so many good wins yeah. this year. Like it, it's so hard to pick, and there really weren't like. If we're doing like, sure, we're going to do worst games of the year later. Like the women, like their worst game was just because like they got outplayed by like teams that were bigger than them. Yeah. Like really good. And it's like, that's not that bad in comparison to some of the like worst losses that we saw. Yeah. Agreed. And like, yeah, you mentioned the Wyoming game and it was a loss, but I mean, we're talking best games of the year here, the not best wins of the year. And that was, that was an insane game. Second round of the NIT. We had just come off smoke in North Texas, just like handled them all game. And then Wyoming, we go on the road there. And North Texas was on the road too, where we beat them so bad. Wyoming also on the road. And three overtimes, just back and forth like crazy. We had six players play in this game, I think, the entire for three overtimes. Like, imagine and the fatigue altitude. levels happening there. Um, yeah, the altitude for sure. And it's just, uh, I, you know, by the third overtime, they, they just pulled ahead. We ended up losing by seven. It was kind of a rough third overtime, but the game up until that point was definitely one of the best games of the year across all sports. Um, for sure. That was an incredible one. Yeah. And the, like the South Florida loss where we, you know, barely lost. That was one we were so close. Like we have not beaten South Florida like ever. Oh my God. Yeah. Like South Florida is generally like if not the best, they were the second best team this year, but normally they're like yeah, top team in the conference ever since UConn lost. And like, we almost beat them in South Florida and like, we just couldn't hold on and finish, finish them off. Like mm-hmm. that game was super exciting and like, just fun. And yep. like, that's awesome, I think. And I feel like how much of the momentum that the university has, like you can point to like women's basketball is a key driver of that in my mind. How much, how much, what the, they have just like the, the, that, you know, momentum, that energy going oh. into next year, the yeah. excitement around the program. I mean, yeah, the women's basketball contributed a, a bunch of that. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely agree. I feel like that's kind of, that feels like it kind of kickstarted it all. It was like, oh my God, the women's team is good. What are we doing with the men's team? We got to make a change with the men's team. And then that happens. And then all this other stuff goes down and yeah, that was kind of the catalyst. It feels like, I don't know if it actually was, but when you look at the timeline of like the events that happened this basically late, uh, you know, late winter into spring, um, that feels like the first like uptick. And then it was like, oh, athletics can be cool like it can be fun when you win uh let's try to do that with the men's team too and then everything changed and that was that was good yeah and so what i i think the catalyst for that kind of and like 
uh, switching sports here too. Like another one was men's soccer this past fall. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, okay. So they went 16, two and one, an incredible streak lost in the second round, or I guess the third round, because they had a bye in the NCAA tournament oh, on a fluke. Good point. I totally forgot about the bye. I absolutely was thinking on a second fluke, round. Fluke of a goal. Um, but like, man, what a season and what, how many exciting games. And like, so I, I, I've got to think that you're going to talk about the SMU game um, that we had the winner right before overtime um, ended kind of things to get that victory. But for me, like, that second round game um, or like our first one that we actually played in the tournament against Creighton. Yeah. That was awesome. That was the first one that I had actually been able to see in person all year, just because of uh, things just kept coming up. But it's like between that one and the UCF one where we won the conference championship, we're just so excited. Soccer is just such a fun sport to watch because there's like, there's no stops uh, is, is one thing. So it's just like constant and it's just, like I, pl- I grew up playing soccer, so I kind mm-hmm. of understand what's going on. And it's just a whole nother level of like what they can do. And we have such a strong team and I- I'm just bummed because it's, it's almost like a, what if, like if we didn't have injuries to our top two players towards the end of the year, <laughs> yeah. there's a strong chance we could have made it like gone on like another couple rounds. Well, I think they played, right. Didn't I, I'm pretty sure. Malik yeah, Henry's but they, they were, and my were on minute. Played. But yeah, they were on minute restrictions. Okay. So yeah. like Malik Henry Scott and the Creighton game came on for like a total of 10 minutes. Gotcha. And Alex Minard was probably on for like 30 ish minutes. Yeah. But they did not guy. play. They did not play that much mm-hmm. um, against West Virginia. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it was the first second round win in the NCAA tournament for TU since 2012. So that's that's pretty notable, too. Um, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an awesome, awesome season for them. You're right. I'm totally going to talk about the SMU game. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the NCAA tournament game was, uh, was amazing. And you're right. Like that, that was, that was super cool. SMU, obviously, I mean, a little bit, it was special to me because one, I'm not a huge soccer fan. I don't know that much about the sport. I haven't been to that many games in my life, stuff like that. And so when I go to them, I have fun, but I usually, I don't know as much about like what's happening and what to watch for and stuff like that. And I went this SMU game. I went to this game one. It was just packed. It was just an amazing atmosphere at the stadium. It was busy. It was loud. Uh, FC Tulsa came out with a bunch of fans too, like the city's team. And they brought a big drum and they had like fog machines and all this stuff. And it was a, it was an awesome event and it was busy and loud there. And then this game just back and forth all, all game long. And I think it was, man, what was it? Like two to two or I can't remember what the score. Let me find one. It was two to it ended two to, two to one. one. Okay, so it was one to one in all, in going into the overtimes and these games in the regular season, soccer games. Surprise, surprise! If you know about soccer, you totally know this. But if you're like me, you don't. They can totally end in ties during the regular season, which I should have known, but I didn't. And so going into this game, I get there. I'm like, oh well, okay, I guess we're just gonna play till OT. And they're like, no. Uh, if it ends after double overtime and it's still tied, it's just a tie, right? And so that's how it goes. So this game is one to one in double overtime with eight seconds left and it comes down to it. And like, you know, if you were there, it was just nuts. Uh, some, we had a corner kick happen. Some guy kicked it. Malik Henry Scott kind of bodied his guy and got him out of the way, hit it a couple more times. Someone took a shot on goal, goalie blocked it, bounced back out 
And of course, who is going to hit it? But Alex Meinhard comes in and, and hits the game winner with eight seconds. Like if he doesn't score right there, it just ends in a tie, which is so much less exciting than an eight seconds left double overtime goal to win the game against SMU, right? Just an amazing one. It was awesome. Had a great time at that game. Uh, went to some more after that because I had so much fun there and hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to come back and, uh, go to some more men's soccer games. It was, it was really awesome. Uh, wild crowd, fun game, definitely my game of the year for soccer for sure. Yeah. And I think if you, if you look at it in terms of like what sport probably had the most student engagement or like people were there and it was a fun environment, it was soccer this year. Mm -hmm. Like football is just obviously like, it's always hard for football one, just because it's an huge stadium and so it's like we have a smaller student section in general makes it hard Mm. like the soccer like the soccer field the pitch smaller section fans are loud they had the smoke out there it was just a it was a lot of fun do they actually call it the pitch in the united states i thought that was just a british thing i don't know some people do okay (laughs) i mean they very well might i just we sound we're we are a refined podcast uh sir but yeah, no, and like one of the one of the cool things, and like this is something we also got when we went to the SMU game that I try to forget about sometimes in football a couple of years ago. But like we sat right next to Jackson Player's family when we were at that game. Uh, yeah, if you remember, mm-hmm, I do. And yeah. So like just being able to talk with them, and then they're like the things that they are cheering for or like talking about very different than like your average football fan. Oh, totally. So it's like, they know defensive line stuff and they know like what they're doing, which is just the soccer game that I went to. It was, I was sitting next to like half the team's parents at the game. And so they were like, Oh man, I can't believe so-and-so did this. Or (laughs) like when Mitchell Cashian scored the winning goal against Crichton, like they were going ballistic. It was his first goal of the year. Yeah. Like you just learned so much and there's just like, it's awesome to sit like any sport is way better with people that just like bring another dimension to like what you're actually watching. And so it's like, that's what I get from that game. Totally agree. I, another one of the soccer games I went to this year was UCF and I was sitting right next to two of the women's soccer players, like for the women's team. And like, obviously if you're sitting next to some people who actually play the game in college, same thing. Uh, they are way in, in the weeds about like, Oh, like what, look what that, this little strategy, like sub strategy that I would never notice watching as a person who doesn't even watch that much soccer to begin with. Right. That was very cool to me. So I totally see what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's, it's just good. You learn a lot more watching in a scenario like that, which is very cool. All right. Any other uh, big games you want to talk about, Matt, before we get to worst games of the year? Yeah, yeah, it's hard because, like, obviously there's so many other good things that happened this year, but it's, like, not really things that we've been able to watch or you really can. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the women's tennis conference matchup against Houston last week was fun. Like, I watched it. Um, oh, nice. Which is, which is a bummer that I wasn't actually able to go, but it's, like, 11 – AM on a Thursday. It's like, I'm working. So <laughs> yeah. I just had it. I had it up. Luckily, like that's cool. Watch yeah. I didn't even it. watch it. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Coming back from that was fun. Uh, obviously, you know, couldn't pull it off against Memphis and the, mm-hmm. in the final, but you know, that was cause we lost the doubles point and then we were down. Oh, cause so, so how tennis works. I don't know how familiar you are with college tennis and how the scoring works. So there is the the doubles point. So there's like three matches that happen for doubles and whoever wins two of three gets the one doubles point. And then there's six other set like games that are happening. And so it's the first team to get 
four total points wins. Gotcha. And so Did a lot not of times, te- yeah, a lot of times if you see tennis where they only play two sets and it looks like they just stopped. Well, yeah. If a team got to four points before every game's done, then they just end it. Cause cool. it's like four points. You're done. Yeah. So Houston came back to want, ended up winning the doubles point in that one, uh, which is a bummer. Cause we had like, we won the first, uh, I think the first match on each one, but, um, and then they were leading in three of the other ones pretty late, which is like, if they pull those off, then yeah. it doesn't matter what we do in the other ones, but right. we ended up, you know, they only won two of them. Uh, and we won the other three or I guess four. Yeah. Cause we had to win four singles points. And so to get that, then to, you know, beat SMU next, who was the top ranked going into the conference and then just lost a heartbreaker to Memphis. So mm. it was a, it was a great season. I enjoy watching tennis. I very like I have a very rudimentary understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously it's on all the time. Like I watch the grand slams. I watch Wimbledon. I've tried to play it every now and then, but it's just a completely different game that they're doing. And so it's, it's a blast. It's just, um, they play at such inopportune times to actually <laughs> go watch. But yeah, that was the, that was the other one that I was like, that was a really exciting. And that's really close. Like that happened two weeks ago. So it's pretty fresh in the mind. Yeah. Very nice. Sounds good. Or last week, sorry. Yeah, it was last Saturday. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Uh, move on to worst games. You want to do that real quick? Real quick. Uh, I can't. I don't <laughs> want to get too down. Can't spend too much time no. on it. I know. <laughs> we shouldn't. Let's ignore basketball then. Yeah, yeah let's do it. My God. Yeah. I, I actually uh, only think I, I have one from. No, I have two from. Two from. I only have two. I, I didn't. I only have games from football and men's basketball in the worst games here. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I mean, I'm because... sure there were more, but like the ones that stick out in my head were the ones where I get the most pissed, which are the ones that I, I watch the most, which is football and men's basketball. Um, so, yeah. 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 Well, let's do it. I want to start off football because I was there and you weren't. <laughs> uh, and that is the opening loss to UC Davis. Yes. That sucked mm-hmm. so much. Like being yeah, at the I can't game, even imagine being here and in like, person we, for that game. We... Knew it was going to be like potentially a slow start because that's how Tulsa's offense always is. Mm. Plus, we had all quarter, those right. all those guys that were suspended, yeah, uh, for the first half uh, at least. And so, but it just like there was no urgency at any point of the game, yeah. And so we just like slowly. I was just sitting there, and it was just like dawning on me. I was like, "We're going to lose. <laughs> like, we can't. We can't beat them. Yeah, nothing's happening. They're not." they're not that good. Like there was one time where I feel like Davis Brand had a great play, but we were like, we were down at that point. And it's like, I remember making it like tweeting. I was like, Oh yeah. Like the stakes just weren't high enough for Davis Brand to start playing. Well, like Mm -hmm. he's only good when, you know, everything's at stake. Right. Like an FCS team doesn't really do it. Uh, and then we lost and it sucked. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like, dude, Pat Pat left at halftime because we were losing and he's like, this is not fun. I'm going home. Yeah. And then Mason and I just sat there and we're just like, this is awful. Yeah. And right after we had just had the most hyped I've ever been in a preview episode, like, man, what a 360 like turn. I know it was absolutely just the biggest crater you can imagine coming from the highest point you could, not the highest point you can imagine, but the highest point we'd been in a while for football. Right. And that was, I mean, they, nothing worked. Like you said, Davis Brin played terribly two picks for him and he fumbled. 
uh, or no, somebody else. I think it was Stokes or somebody fumbled, but he Bryn threw two picks. We had 122 yards and penalties. I saw looking back on looking back at that game. Uh, first year of the game or first game of the year, obviously uh, against an FCS team. And it's not going to help your prospects. And then we also, I don't remember how many passing yards we actually ended up giving up, but like thinking back on the game, it felt like whoever their quarterback was kind of creep. Didn't, is this the dude that had the like weird, uh, Western villain mustache? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I, remember that. I don't remember his co- name. And their coach's novel that we were reading. Um, I'm going to, I have to pull this up just as a flashback. Give me a second. Uh, you go on. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like that their quarterback um, just, it felt like he was just throwing dimes to on us. So I don't think he, we, I don't know if he actually ended up throwing a, a deep touchdown pass, but I know they completed several deep ones. And so for the first game of the year, when we're like, oh, how are the DBs going to be this year after losing Green and Evans? You know, how is that going to stack up? It was not a good first showing at all on that side of the ball Um, against, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I think they ended up pretty fine in FCS. I think they were ranked in the top 25 somewhere in there. Um, But man, I mean, it was like you said, man, just absolutely the worst start you could imagine to this football season. And fortunately it ended better. And we talked about some of that, but just an ugly, uh, ugly way to begin the season here. Yeah. So their quarterback, um, Hunter Rodriguez. Ah, uh, yes. The, there we go. The little. I'm looking at his mustache. <laughs> it's, <laughs> sorry, it's just so funny. Um, yeah, he was like 28 of 36 for like 315 yard, 311 yards against us. Like that was not good. Um, yeah. But their coach is, um, uh, he's that Dan Hawkins. Yeah used to be at like Colorado state, I think, but it's like, do you remember? I'm going to read the first line again. He has taken his family on vacation to Machu Picchu. Oh yeah. <laughs> he taught yeah, science, jumped out that. of airplanes and coached football in 13 different countries. It's like for Dan Hawkins, those aren't simple, simply items to cross, cross off a bucket list. They have been opportunities to learn. It's yeah. like a high school essay. Yeah, very nice. I thought I remembered uh, something about Dan Hawkins related to Tulsa. Do you nothing? Am I, am I just dreaming this up? I thought he had some some connection here somehow. I can't remember. Yeah, because I, I remember going on his Wikipedia page and trying to find out what 13 countries he had coached in. And I thought <laughs> he was like one of them was, was it the Arena League Man, team maybe? I don't, I don't know. I thought there was some weird connection. I don't know. Somebody's probably going to know it and think we're dumb for not remembering. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fine. Doesn't doesn't show up on a control F on his Wikipedia page. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now you know for sure. No connection to Tulsa. Uh, but yeah, totally agree. Just a bizarre, awful game. Awful way to start the year. Um, funny to look back on now, kind of, because it ended up being not a train wreck of a season. But wow, it started. I mean, it looked like it was going to be one for sure. Uh, just rough. Okay. The other football one. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Just one more comment. And this is just something that I like hate scheduling FCS teams in general. Like if you win, cool. You're supposed to, if you lose that sucks. So it's like kind of just like, it's never going to be your best game, best win, but it can always be your worst loss. Oh, for sure. For sure. And like the point is, you know, like it's supposed to be a warm up for your players, you know, but oh my God, it is the FCS team is looking at this like a national championship opportunity, right? And that's not a warm up uh, environment to play in. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to lose them every time, but like when you lose, like you're saying, Matt, there's no upside either way. You either do what you were supposed to do. And even if you win and it's close, it's like, oh, 
oh, okay. <laughs> we almost lost to these guys. And then if you lose, obviously, you know, you lose. And it looks very bad. Yeah. I feel like we got bailed out by, like, a decent amount of other teams losing to FCS teams. Oh, yeah. There was a bunch. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was, like, the most in 15 Washington, years or something. Yeah. Washington lost to, like, Montana. That's right. Montana I remember Montana State or something. So, that was kind of, like, by, like, double digits. Yeah. So, yeah. it was, like, yeah. a two-point right. loss. And they were ranked or something. Weren't they 24 or something? I think Washington was ranked preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So, <laughs> At least we're not Anyways. Them. Yeah. Still bad, but not as bad as that. Um, but, yeah. The other football one I had was uh, – the very, very ugly beatdown we took at the hands of the Houston Cougars, 45-10. to 10. Loss in that one is 28-3 to 3 at halftime. Davis Brin threw three interceptions in this one, and the biggest thing I remember, aside from us not being able to do anything, was Houston's running back being able to do literally everything he wanted to do. Alt McCaskill for them. I feel like I, I don't know. I'm dreaming this up, maybe. But I thought I saw something about him maybe transferring. I can't remember. Anyway, he smoked us all game long. Could not stop him. 45 to 10 loss sticks out in my head as just an absolute dud of a game against the Cougars. Yeah, it was definitely an ugly game to go to. Uh, be there in person, just kind of in shock. Um, yeah. Obviously, like hindsight, all right, Houston was really good. Yeah, like they ended they up losing to Cincinnati <laughs> in the conference. I thought, game. yeah, um, I thought for sure they were going to beat Cincy also, by the way. I thought, man, Houston, they just looked loaded by the end of that year. Yeah. And like, you know, you're missing a lot of key context. Like our team was sick. Houston was really good. <laughs> we weren't that great at special teams. They had fun. I mean, fortunately, the fact that we didn't give up any special teams touchdowns that game, that's the real feather in our cap. In yeah. My opinion. Like, were they sick though? I know that's what, that's what the story was. Like how Houston bad was it? Our, Houston, Houston poisoned our team just like they did when they beat us by a hundred points. I mean, that's the only way. The only way. So I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I, I feel you. It could totally be the case. Uh, it just felt like I still remember. I remember when that story came out that, yeah, we were sick. I was like, why wouldn't you say that? Nobody said it in a press conference. It was just like a thing. Like it was like two no, sentences no in a Tulsa no world. Excuses. article. No excuses. I know. This but team doesn't believe in them. I mean, if that's the reason I respect it. I mean, that's fine with me. I, it just feels like something you would say. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it is. Maybe that's all it is. So I don't know. That's fine. That's cool. All right. Uh, do you want to do the next one? Whatever you think is your, it could be any sport. Worst games. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I'm going to hop over to basketball just because I don't think any of the other losses that I can think of, like, what do you got? You got Oklahoma State, Ohio State. Um, and there are two other ones that I just can't even think about. You're just anymore. thinking about football? Yeah. Oh, Cincinnati. That was sad. But um, maybe. Oh, you know, I didn't even watch that Navy game, but I mean, can't be your worst loss if you know you're going to lose going into the game. <laughs> um, yeah. that's, that's my opinion. Basketball, hopping in to the one, the basketball game that really, I think, set the tone for our season. And it was our second game of the year. Yep. And that was when we lost to Air Force. Yep, I had like, this one too. Oh my goodness. Air Force is full of freshmen. They're also Air Force, like ranked, I think at the time, if not three oh like in the three hundreds in the very very high two hundreds yeah for sure Ken I'm pretty sure they were in three hundred the game it looks marginally less awful they were. yeah real quick uh, when they played us they were three oh four okay ah man I was thinking three oh three I was real close <laughs> nice um, that loss looks marginally less awful <laughs> when you take into consideration that they beat 
like San Diego State or no, Matt. They were terrible. No. They went. They were. That's... They went eleven and eighteen. Yeah, but like marginally, <laughs> I didn't say what margin. I mean, it it's true. Be, like, they very, ended better in Ken small. Palm than they were when they played us. So you're right. Yeah. So they were better than three o three o four. That you know they were when they beat us. But at the time, oh man, <laughs> to lose to such a young team and to just look bad. Like yeah. what was the final score of that game? It was fifty nine like to fifty eight. Yeah, lost on a buzzer beater, and I just remember sitting there like in shock. Yeah, like I was already like, man, we're barely going to beat Air Force. This is kind of like this is annoying. Yeah, and then it's like that was also the same day the Tulane game happened. So what? Just like what a weird day of sports in general. Oh, it was. Wow, but, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, ugh, that sucked. And I don't know. I think in my mind. And I have always been a Frank Haith, like, uh, quick to judge. I th- I don't know if quick to judges, but I've always been like, I'd like to move on from Frank Haith. Yeah. For, you know, a couple of years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I was I was all on board after this. I was like, this sucks. And then it just got worse. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I don't, I don't have much to add other than I remember thinking when that game started before we lost right like when the game was getting tipped i was like this air force team looks like a high school team. like they they were small they went, it just did not look athletic they had a couple guys out there i was like you're a basketball player i mean oh my and then we lost and i was like oh my god this is horrible uh just a just an extremely ugly game they ended the season ranked 269th in ken palm which quick rundown on the list here that is yes indeed the worst loss of the season that was filled with many bad losses uh in terms of ken palm ranking so yeah that one takes the cake i think between all the sports that one was the one i don't know uc davis football uh, uh i don't know i don't know which one i would rank as worse which one would you get put all, what do you all think the, get all the worst games out early you think uc davis I, football I think, loss I or UC, air force I basketball think... loss is the worst loss I would go UC Davis just because of the expectations that I had for football and that we had a shot at making a run for like to play for the conference again. Yeah. Um, and after all the moment- momentum or basketball, like, I don't know how I felt about them. I was like, okay, we're going to, I remember decent. we're not going to be great. I remember both of us were basically thinking, I think there's a legitimate chance we make the postseason, like then get an NIT bid going into this year with dry horn coming back and a big transfer coming in Sam Griffin. Like it looked like from a high level, like mostly fine. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess it's hindsight is obviously like we were just a bad team in general, but it's like, it's so much easier to recover from an early season loss in basketball. Cause there's so yeah, many games. That's true. Right. That I'm almost like, yeah, you lose one of your 12 games and you lose to an FCS thing. The the flip side though, for football is you only have to win six and then you're postseason bound. Yeah, like, there's not as much of that selection. <laughs> right. So I don't know. For me, having been at both games, I still think UC Davis was just worse. Yeah. I'm thinking Part back. It, okay. Football, really excited. It was also super hot, humid outside the entire time. Yeah. The experience was just worse. Like at least in the that's air true. conditioning for, for basketball. <laughs> yeah, heat. that's funny. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because like when I watched for UC Davis, I was in Colorado. So I was watching from like our nice little cabin thing there. It was nice, like cool looking out over the woods too. So when we lost that game, yeah, I was obviously like bummed and like what the hell just happened here. But I was like, oh, we'll make it up. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, And then we played Oklahoma State pretty well after that, whatever, you know, so whatever. And then basketball, 
I, f- I feel like the environment does play a role in my head here. Cause like air force, we were there, like we were there at the game and it sucked. And I, f- I remember in terms of just how I felt immediately after the game, I felt worse after the air force game than I did after the football UC Davis loss. And that's gotta be, I mean, I'm sure environment plays a role in that. So that's probably what it is, but between the two and just my personal feelings, I think air force, I felt worse after that game. Yeah. I don't know. It's both tough. I mean, walking to every game sucks when you have to walk home after <laughs> losses. Walk back by yourself in the dark sometimes. Bad loss. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes ice, you know, the lighting wasn't great on campus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Good. Yeah. Man. Uh, man, I don't know. I'll ask, I'll pitch that one to our listeners. Uh, leave us a comment. <laughs> Which one do you think was the worst loss between those two sports? Or was there a worse one? Yeah. True. And best, I've give got, us a. Give us, like, we didn't talk about what was the best overall win from all the wins we talked about. What, let's let's backtrack real quick. Of the wins we mentioned between all the sports, what do you think was the best win? You want me to break down the ones I I said at least, not break down, but yeah, just like run through I, the list again. Yeah, I'll just do no, it real like, quick. I okay, yeah, go ahead, refresh everybody. The ones memory. I said, and Matt, if you, I know you said some that I didn't have in here, but the ones I has I said were footballs thirty four thirty win. 34-31, oh my God, football is 34-31 to 31 win over SMU uh, to get ball eligible. Two for men's basketball, the two, basically last two real games before we lost big to SMU. So the buzzer beater over UCF and the nice big win over Wichita State um, in the conference tournament. Uh, women's basketball win on the road at Memphis. We also talked about the Wyoming game in the NIT um, and the Wichita State game for the women too. Men's soccer's overtime win over SMU. And Tulane's, I uh, forgot, yeah, the other football one was Tulane's weird overtime win. Those, I think that was all, most of them. Yeah. Um, others just being like the soccer and tennis and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's tough because part of it is if I'm at the game, very different than watching it. And so, like, to me, it comes down to, like, that – Yeah, I don't know. In my head, the one that I gravitate to is just the UCF win yeah. in basketball on senior day. Right. Like, because there weren't a ton of just exciting in general moments. And that one, I just like had such a vivid reaction. And just like, I remember being so excited. Everybody yeah. went wild. It was senior day. It was fan appreciation day. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Like nice. it was the university, I think, it was like not too late, not too long after our episode where we were talking about fan engagement. And it was like, it really seems like that kind of changed a lot for the university. And it's like, they, I think they knew that it needed to get better, but this is kind of like the first, one of the big times that we saw where they were act, actively trying to, you know, improve it. And so that was a big part of it. Like there was a lot of students, it was a fun environment. And then to pull off that buzzer beater and like dry horn is like one of my favorite to you basketball players that I've got to see in the last couple of years, you know, like Darian Jackson's up there, uh, dry horn, obviously for like this past year. And so that was a lot of fun just to be at. And like all the other ones are like a majority of them were watching probably like on TV, if they weren't at on campus, it's like, yeah, the Wichita State game was also incredible, but like, yeah, I watched that on TV. It's not quite the same. 
No, I totally feel you. I was thinking back to the UCF game and I was like, I had just got back from the airport and I was in the car driving to get my dog, like from where we left her while we were in a different city. And so like, I have the same thing. Like I, obviously I, I listened to it and I heard it happen and it was amazing, but it's not the same as being there. Right. And so I totally get that, uh, for why that's your number one. And the same thing for my, I think if I were picking my number one, I would pick that soccer overtime win. That was the most excited I was about any sporting event this entire athletics year i think um there were a lot of good moments but this one was definitely i think i think definitely number one it was just i don't remember being this happy about sports at tu in a long time and, and we've had lots of happy moments i'm not saying that there nothing good ever happens with tu sports but uh, this one was just over the moon i mean it was cool it was an awesome environment we already talked about it outdoor lots of like fog machines big drums fc tulsa like famous tulsa athletes were there um, it was it was really good and just an awesome game. I think of all the ones, I'd I'd probably put that as my number one. Uh, okay, so we backtracked. We talked about best games of the year. If you have another, if you have, if you think of a uh, what what do you think the best game all year listener was, uh, let us know. It'd be fun. Same thing with worst. If you think we got the worst one uh, between all sports wrong, um, let us know that one too. Yeah, because it's like there's, I, I guess we didn't talk about them, but like. I just want to like talk about one, two of my other worst losses for basketball. Yeah, I've got one more as well. Okay, well, I'll let you go first since I started off Air Force. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. So the other one I've got is uh, let me find. Oh, Tulane. Yeah, the uh, the we lost ninety-seven to sixty-three to the Tulane Green Wave. If you don't remember, and Tulane, while they did have a you know a, a pretty decent year this year, they were not like a powerhouse in the conference or anything like that. They ended up, let me see where they ended the season. Oh, wow. Actually they ended up, they ended up a top 100 Ken Palm team. They were number 98. Um, but still like, uh, just, what is that? 34 point loss, uh, to, to, to Tulane. And that was to cap off a seven game conference losing streak right in the middle of the season. It did not seem like it was as close as 34 points. Oh my God. I mean, the team was dead. It was like it was Nobody like besides Sam Griffin was there. Yeah, it was it was horrible. I mean, there was legitimate talk like, is Frank Haith going to be fired after this game? The end of a big streak, right? We had lost six in a row already, and then you drop one to Tulane by thirty four. I mean, oh my gosh! And like, yeah, fortunately we won the next game against South Florida by almost the same margin. Like we won by thirty one. But it felt like absolute rock bottom for a Tulsa basketball program when we when we dropped that one by that many. Tulane, I looked back at that game when t- prepping for this show. They had seven. We we've talked about on this show how it's like very awesome when we have like four guys on our team who get over 100 offensive ratings in Ken Palm. Tulane this game had seven. Like almost their entire team that played got meaningful minutes, got over a 100 offensive rating against us. There was no defense in this game. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to be there, and we got our asses kicked. And that's that felt like true rock bottom for a Tulsa basketball team. Yeah, and I it, that was the day that I feel like you really saw the difference in trajectory between the men and the women's program. Mm-hmm. Cause we were at the women's game that night when we beat Memphis, like 80 to 68. And then oh, nice. yeah. like that game started, the men's game had started while we were still at the Reynolds center. And so like, we were just checking score updates and like seeing tweets, of, like people tweeting at us, like the score we're down by like 15 and the game started four <laughs> minutes ago or yeah. something like, yeah. maybe like I'm exaggerating, yeah. but it's like, yeah, we got to go home, and then we got to watch Tulane, which was mis- miserable. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, and so like that was one of the two that I was thinking of. Um, 
the one that I was, the other one is the one directly before that game. Um, and that was the loss to Memphis where we lost 83 to 81. Oh yeah. But like a lot of that, you think a big portion of like, why were we dead was like that game deflated us. Oh my God. Yeah. Look at that. We were, we were up like 20. What is No, we were up like 11 at halftime or something like that. Yeah, sorry. I have like 17 tabs open at this point. Um, Like, where is this game? Okay, 81. Yeah, so at halftime, we were up by 13. It was 46 to 33 at half. And then they scored, they put up 50 in the second half. Yeah. It was like, so yeah, I remember being excited at halftime. It's like, yeah, we're going to like, Penny Hardaway, (laughs) like we we can win this one. And then it was just ugly, ugly, ugly through the rest of the game. And so that was another one where I remember just like, Houston, we lost close, whatever. Houston was really good. It wasn't like we blew a huge lead. This one we did, which to me is just was so the typical story of, I felt like with a lot of Frank Cave games is like struggling to finish. Mm -hmm. And like we saw that so much this season and this was just the nail in the coffin that I really think was kind of the beginning of the end for Tulsa's uh, basketball. Yeah. If it wasn't already Air Force, you know, at game two. So that one was depressing. Uh, Memphis obviously didn't lose a game until like yeah. the conference tournament. I oh my think, god, was that the start that. of that big streak? I'm for pretty, them? Yeah, I think that, that was the start. Like the second up. from yeah, the from the second half of that game against us, they just like went on a like. That's the reason they yeah. went, made the tournament. Yeah. So God, yeah, look at that. They beat us, and then they win like ten of their next eleven games before the conference tournament. And then they they lose to Houston in the conference tournament, and then they almost beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Crazy. So those were the other two that kind of stick out to yeah. me. Yeah, like that Memphis two. one was a good call. I, yeah, I forgot that we were up by, up at halftime, and then they put up 50 in the second half. Man, just wild. All right, uh, good stuff. Let's keep it rolling here. I um, wanted to talk about just some non-game specific like events that happened uh, throughout this year that were big. The first one, going to pat ourselves on the back here and take full credit because this is definitely how the sequence of events played out. One, we talked trash on the game day experience at TU, which clearly, you know, followed by step two here is because of us. University makes massive sweeping changes in the athletics program, uh, which I'm totally, yeah, totally because of our podcast. No doubt about it in my mind. I'm taking credit for it. Um, Brad Carson says the game day experience will be quote significantly improved next year. Shortly after that, um, Frank Haith is fired slash resigns. Eric Conkle is hired. Um, these are obviously uh, big time events on their own. I think we can talk about them more if you want to, or we can, I mean, I know we've already kind of talked about both a lot, but we can, you know, we can get into it later if you want to, but both big events. Um, and then Brad comes on the show uh, to talk about the game day atmosphere events. And we talked about all that stuff. That was an amazing conversation. Go listen to it. If you haven't checked it out already, I think that episode is called the Renaissance, uh, featuring Brad Carson and then Eric Conkle comes on and all this stuff. Right. And so all clearly sparked by our ranting episode about the game day experience. So that was first noteworthy event. Number one, and I will take that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, I'm going to look back. Uh, do you remember what, exactly which episode number that was? Which one? Was that, like, the Brad? one where we had – no, the uh, – where we talked about, like, the game day experience oh, in general. Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Because I, I want to say – It it's was like A Whole New World, 4-27. No, 4-24, Imagine All the People. That was it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so, like, 
I'm pretty sure on our notes, like, so the show notes that we use, there, it was just a single line was like Tulsa world article with letter to uh, editor about fan attendance. That was all we had like <laughs> prepared for that episode. Yeah. <laughs> like and it turned into like an half, hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, most of that, like 40 minute rant to start off the episode was just off the cuff, which I think is just kind of shows you know, like, it's obviously true. Like we had a lot to talk about. I think a lot of people interacted with that episode who had similar feelings and Mm -hmm. like as much as tongue in cheek as it is. And I'm fully in a believer that like we did help get the conversation out there. And like people were actually like a lot of these frustrations that people had were finally actually like everybody was venting every, like it was there. It was hard to ignore. And so it's like, we got a lot of, feedback from university from brad yeah from people within the athletic department Mm -hmm. and i think like there's the commitment that the university i think is now has made at this point is like they know that the you know there's improvements there were issues it's like a bummer that it kind of took this long is like the one thing is like this isn't like it just started happening it's been a couple years i think and, you know, obviously COVID and Brad's only been on the job for like eight months at this point, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's exciting. There's like, they're forming committees to kind of work on fan engagement. They've got like, they changed the logo earlier this year. We've got, we'll talk about it later. The mascot is up for debate at this point. Yeah. So it's like a lot of things have happened in the last couple of months because of the Golden Hurricast. <laughs> the only reason no. for sure. But everything yeah. noteworthy goes through the podcast. No, not really. Yes, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I know I do think you're right. Like, I don't, I, I don't think it's, you know, like it's because of us or anything, but I do think that, I mean, clearly after that episode, like you said, like people from the university got in touch and like, were interested and wanted to talk about it with us in person and stuff like that. And that is good. Like that means people care and are listening and care about feedback and that matters. And then when, once people understand that feedback matters to a university, then they will start giving their feedback. If people don't think that feedback matters, they won't. They don't because they think they're speaking to a brick wall, right? And we speak to a brick wall every week. And then fortunately, some people started listening uh, in the spring. Um, And that's just how it goes. You know, eventually people start caring. And this is what it sounds like has happened. And so once people recognize, oh my God, there's like actual people that work in the athletic department that care about the thoughts and opinions of fans, I'm going to give my thoughts and opinions. And hope we'll see. I don't think they've sent out every year. I remember last year they did it too, a like fan survey, you know, and I always fill it out because whatever we do this podcast and I care about it. Um, I wonder what their fill out rates are of those. And I wonder how that changes this year. I feel like it's got to be way higher. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a big year for that fan survey. And uh, whenever they send it out, I'll be sure to tweet it out if you don't get the email or something and uh, fill it out, please. I think they want to know right now is the time. Like, now is when a lot of changes are being talked about and are happening. So fill that thing out whenever it comes out. Yeah. Also plug, fill out our survey when we put that out at the end of the year for uh, thoughts, comments. I don't know. We normally do that, right? We do. Listener I don't think we did it last year though. But yeah, we could do another one. We should. I don't know. Yeah. I think we should. Yeah. But, and like just on that point, as like silly as it sounds, but just the comment about like, you know, you talked about nachos. People kind of like latch on to oh that. As like, that got latched onto like, so hard. It's so funny. Right. And it's, and <laughs> it's, it's funny. Comment. And it's just like, yeah. 
that's just like a funny little side <laughs> comment. But the fact that Brad has been like, yeah, we're going to have better nachos. Like that is just kind of proof. Like, okay, this silly joke that we kind of like talked about. Cause like, yeah, the nachos are bad. It's like, they're listening. So yeah. if they're listening to that, they're listening <laughs> yeah. to everything. It's true. And I think that's like, yeah, you have this mascot. Like they, he talked about, he's Brad has just been super active on Twitter. I think with a lot of the TU fan base um, and people like that. And so, yeah, just the commitment and like giving out his phone number, being active, like the university, it seems like they're listening and like doing fan events, the Conkle press conference, like the gala, um, yeah. things like that, that they're opening up to people. Like the spring game seemed like it was a bigger deal this year than it had been in the past. Like they made it a whole weekend, the TU Hall of Fame event. So just like a lot of really cool stuff. Um, moving off of that to kind of another big moment that I think is kind of a define, I don't know if defi- not defining, but just like not, it's kind of sports, not game related, but obviously like Gillespie's lo- like move to, uh, to TCU. Mm-hmm. Like that's big. Yeah. That is the, uh, is that the first, it seems like it's the biggest poaching that we've had of one of our coaches, like in a long time. Um, oh, I for think sure. before, yeah. before that it would have been Danny Manning probably to wake forest, you know, yep. years ago, mm-hmm. but it's like Montgomery, like, you know, five years ago, we thought that would be the case after that, uh, Miami beach bowl win. Yeah. And obviously that hasn't been the case at this point. And so <laughs> right. Gillespie just, and just our defensive coordinator, but him moving on to TCU, like that is the biggest loss of a coach. Like, obviously like we've lost like Mizzou, you know, taken db we lost running back coach to arkansas things like that but it's like this is the big one and so it, yeah. it, it'll be interesting because you know we had obviously gillespie was in the system and came up after like was an assistant that became defensive coordinator and that's the same thing we're doing with olsen yeah uh taking over that role and so it'll be interesting to see you know like how does that change um you know how does that look next year and you know, the fortunate thing is I thought we might lose a lot more people to the portal than we did. Yeah, um, seriously, man. Like that was awesome. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, like Jackson Player moving on. Right. Totally get that. Like he's going to go to Baylor. He's going to be a drafted next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, yeah, good for him. Yeah. Um, but it's like to not lose that many other players, that was huge. I think that was a. Pr- I think that speaks well of Olsen and like what he's going to do. Yeah, I think it speaks well of Olsen and it speaks well of Philip Montgomery as a as a man and as a coach, right? I mean, people like, you know, we can talk about his game results all day and we'll do that during football season. Uh, but man, the team just loves him. And that has been very clear, like since he's gotten here, he's just a likable guy and people like playing for him. And that matters, right? And and we won that, uh, you know, the, uh, I can't remember, I don't know if the AAC gave out this award or somebody else, but it was like uh, the most stable program in the American, right? And we got that last year. And it makes sense. Like coaches do leave, but they don't leave that often. Like before this kind of the last two years have been when we had a lot of, a lot of people leave. Like we had two DB coaches leave in a row. Now, now Gillespie is gone. Um, D line coach left a couple of years ago. And it's just like, yeah, the whole defense keeps moving on basically. But like a lot of the, before that, there were several years in a row where it was a pretty stable uh, team in terms of personnel and team in terms of staff as well. So I agree. Um, I think you mentioned losing Jackson player. That was obviously one of the big losses. Uh, losing to Caleb Evans and Allie Green last year was a big loss. Um, both of those guys now in the NFL, one drafted, one as an undrafted free agent. Talk about that later. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, overall, very, very solid with the transfer portal. Um, and speaking of football, like another notable event, Philip Montgomery signed a two-year extension, uh, which happened at a, quote, unspecified point during the season. So who knows when that was like, I don't remember when that was even announced. It was in like October, November. It was like pretty late in the year. Um, I want to say it was like, we didn't find out about it until after Temple. Yeah, oh, that sounds right. Yeah, Temple. That sounds that sounds correct. Uh, sometime around that game, but yeah, it was like, oh, okay. What Temple was like? It was like soon. It was very. It, it must. It was probably right after, or right before our the beginning of our winning streak. Right. It was like right around that time. And but it was like we had just lost a bunch of games in a row, and then it's like, oh yeah. And Philip Montgomery signed a two year extension. I was like, what? <laughs> that was I was expecting the opposite news possibly, but. Uh, no, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a good dude. Um, optimistic for him next year. Like I talked about already, but getting that extension at that point in the year was surprising to me. Yeah. Um, man, it's hard. Cause there's like so many things that, that happened like cross country one, the conference, Yeah, you know, like again, yeah. Yeah. For like, what is that women's. seventh year in a row or something? Yeah. Like, I mean, they just, they dominate every year. Um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's just how it is. Um, <laughs> Like there's just, I feel like so many little things that it's just so hard to, obviously like we can't keep track of everything that happens in the the year, but like just, just a lot of good things. Yeah. Let me, let me blaze down like four more in a row here that happened that are not really, some of them are not even TU specific, just like things that happened that we talked about on the show. One of them, actually most of them are TU specific. Only one of them is not. Um, And that is one. The whole conference realignment shenanigan uh, fiasco that happened in, during football season. OU and Texas announced they're leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, which sparked this whole thing. Uh, after much consternation, it ended up being that Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati were going to be leaving the American for the Big 12 along with BYU. And then that results in six Conference USA teams joining the American Basically, everybody else from Conference USA going elsewhere, aside from like two schools or three schools, and Conference USA dying uh, for the most part. But we have UAB, UTSA, Charlotte, FAU, Rice, and North Texas coming into the conference. So that all happened. Big deal. We had a giant uh, couple episodes, and we had one giant episode speculating on who we might invite for a while. We thought maybe Colorado State and Air Force. It sounded like that was basically a done deal. There were serious like sports publications writing that that was happening. Uh, and then it did not. And they basically chose not to come as far as it sounded. Like we definitely invited them and they said no, which is damning uh, because we are supposed to be the better uh, conference of the two. And they decided we're basically the same, right? Especially with Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati leaving. So that kind of sucked. Um, but we get six Conference USA teams as a consolation prize. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it sounds like, I think it was basically confirmed in the last week uh, that those three, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, will be playing their last seasons this next season. This next year will be the last year in the American uh, before they go join the Big 12. So we've got one more. The next year will be so fun for a bunch of reasons. Like one, the podcast is just doing well, and that's exciting. But two, it'll be like the last time we talk to Scott and Holman guys, which is sad, but also it's just a, it'll just be fun. Like we'll get to – I'm sure those will be good episodes. So I'm looking forward to that. And UCF, um, you know, we've talked to some guys over there that are really fun to talk to. We'll probably do that again. Cincinnati. Oh, we got the Go Bearcats guy. That'll be fun. Yeah, we don't play UCF. Oh, shit. You're right. I forgot. Going to have to meet him in the conference championship game. It's the only way. And beat him. What a send-off. That would be amazing. Yeah. We don't have to stop talking to people. Like, we could still, you know, just 
maybe we'll play him again in the future non-conference oh i'm sure yeah but regular regularly scheduled games against those guys uh, yeah. yeah so that happened uh that was big that was a big one yes definitely a but single team. but we get to bring on like the uab podcast the utsa podcast is pretty big especially yes. after this last year so you know well, yeah well uh our dream of uh, an american <laughs> podcast network is still still I don't, know, I don't know if that's a dream I just... yeah could do it It'd be very fun i mean yeah you're right i mean there are definitely some good pods in that group so it should be cool uh, other ones, we played in a college game day for the first time in Tulsa football history. Lost That's a heartbreaker right. to Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. that too. I was looking back. I was like, what else happened? I, oh, my God. Yeah, we played a college game day. That's right. Uh, yeah, so that happened. It almost won that game. If I remember. I'm pretty sure that was the one where we had like four straight. We, we got stopped at the goal line like four plays in a row, which would, I think would have sent it to overtime if we scored that and hit it and got the two-point conversion. I think we lost by eight. Um Sounds but right to me. yeah, the, the game day thing, it was just cool, you know, cool to participate in that. I wasn't like ours. It wasn't at TU, but, uh, at Cincinnati and we were involved. So, which is like huge, like a lot of press, a lot of coverage on that game and played them close. It wasn't like we got embarrassed by this team who ended up going to the college football playoff. So huge result there. I mean, very happy with how that went. We could have got stomped and nobody would have been too surprised. I don't think, um, except for, I mean, God, these guys, I the guys on our, our Tulsa football team, like the players themselves, they would have been surprised because they know like look at the guys now like we got six of them now i think total going to the nfl in some form or fashion this season that is that is massive um so like cincinnati has nine nine just, that were drafted it is crazy and like then the big 12 gets zero in the first round i just just good stuff man it's just, just good. we'll talk about that later uh but yeah so played in college game day very cool um lost which is a bummer but fun it was a fun event fun uh thing to look back on from the season um, a podcast note here had our, I would think, I, I think no question, our highest profile guests came on the show this year. We had our first head coach ever on the show. That was Angie Nell from the women's basketball team. That was amazing. Uh, we had our first university president, which uh, that was just, I mean, I'm still blown away that that happened at all. Uh, but that was very cool. Brad Carson came on. And we also had our second coach, uh, head coach of the year or ever on the podcast, and that was men's basketball coach, brand new, Eric Conkle. Uh, so those were all very cool. Big moments for the podcast. Wanted to make a note of them as we go here. So those were super cool for us and hopefully for you too. Hopefully you enjoyed those episodes. Yeah, man, just like looking back and obviously like since the first season through now and like just the number of guests that we've had is like I think every year it's gotten bigger. Like yeah. the first year we had for sure. Like the big one was Dane, obviously. Like we got oh, him pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, but we um, only had like three others <laughs> total, or something like two yeah. others, maybe. I don't even know. We had like no guests that year because we didn't and know what we were us, doing. Yeah, and it took us like this is the year that we had Kelly Hines on, which is just like kind of wild that it took us four years to I know. do that. Yeah, that was, that got, was a mistake. We got it. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, it happened before. Um, you know, she's no longer on the Tulsa beat. But yeah, we're gonna have to get like, Bryce. We got to get Bryce next year. Just the, the people that we had, like we got Cade McFarlane was such a fun Oh my episode. God, yeah, he was great. Like being able to set something up with Harry Minium for Old Dominion was fun, like on short notice. Yeah. Like we got to talk to Steve Gage, like just a yeah, Tulsa sick. Like, <laughs> yeah, legendary no, no. QB. Yeah. You know, JP is always a fun one. Some yeah. of these other podcast guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's always fun. Uh, what was the other one that I was thinking of? Oh yeah, just like the big expansion special where we had like six or seven people. We got oh we yeah, got to bring on Eli yeah. Lederman. Like we had a we had a bunch of guests this year, and I feel like it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, we had that like Twitter 
where people were like, I haven't been asked to come on. And then like Montgomery <laughs> came up and yeah. asked you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Our backlog of uh, guest ideas or even like, not even ideas, but like guests who have come to us wanting to be on the podcast is pretty long. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And not to get like too, you know, over my head here with how I feel about the podcast, but it is in a great place. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, and, a couple oh, other. And, and I just like, I don't know if, I mean, maybe this isn't an announcement or anything, but it's like, I, I have a press pass for next year. Like I'm going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. We got those. I don't know. Have we, like, I don't think we've said that, that on the, uh, we haven't said that on the podcast. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and like part of it is because it's like, it's really just for me. Cause I'm going to, I will be in Tulsa. Uh, I don't, has that been announced? Am I, am I breaking that? Matt, you're breaking the news. I was going to say it at the end of the show here, but yeah, I, okay. I guess I'll well, just well, get I'll it. Cu- out I'll cut, no, no, I'll, I'll cut this. I'll cut this. Um, <laughs> and we'll do, we'll do it later. No, it's fine. It's like, I, I don't have, I don't want to, it's not all, it's not all dramatic. I'll just say it. Here. But yeah, uh, yeah, we've been doing the show from Tulsa, right? Forever. Like we, we've both live here and we started it in Tulsa, started sitting around my table in our, un, in my un, air conditioned attic. And it was very sweaty up there. Uh, those days are long gone. We've been doing it differently lately, but still we're all in Tulsa. Uh, Matt and I are, and Pat is too, but RAP Pat, he's still alive, but doesn't do the podcast anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm moving. And so not going to be in Tulsa anymore. Don't want to be all dramatic about it, but, uh, going to be moving around to a few different cities over the next couple of years and, uh, just trying, trying them out and maybe I will move back in a couple of years. Who knows? Um, but just, uh, you know, how those nachos turn out. Yeah. It depends on the nachos, baby. That's so true. Uh, but yeah, the idea is like, uh, my wife and I are both remote. Uh, we don't have kids yet. And so want to travel around while we, uh, while, while it makes the most sense, which feels like right now. So it's a, it's, it's an awkward time to leave because the podcast is doing so. And this is, uh, let me clear the air here. The podcast is going nowhere. Um, probably will be doing it's just being recorded elsewhere. It will be recorded on, but like still on Zencaster, which is what we use to record. So like mostly the same. I just won't be at many games in person or events like that uh, unless I can come back for them, uh, which I will do my damnedest to do. Um, but yeah, so I'm moving. NBD, uh, that's all I wanted to say, just so everybody's aware. Um, don't even remember, what did you say that? Oh, the press passes. I, yeah, so yeah, we got, yeah, so we <laughs> get freaking press passes. And then I decide, you know what? Thanks for the press pass to you, but no thanks. I'm out of here. <laughs> so that's a, that's a real bummer. But at least you got them. I mean, that's gonna be cool. Yeah, for you. which is which is honestly, you know, I'm I'm happy about because it's like every time I've been going to games, it's been like with you, and so like yeah, I don't know. It's it'll <laughs> yeah. be it'll be sad if not being able to go to games with you. But at least yeah. now I'll get to go to the sit in the press box, get that's free true. food. It'll be just like college. So I honestly anticipate trying to do more like yeah. some fun, some fun things like record snippets of like press conferences and like have those ready to go. Yeah. Um, anyways, we don't need to talk about the future of the podcast right now. We're still talking about the, the noteworthy events of this year. Yeah, but totally agree. I feel like uh, being away from Tulsa real quick will be like, I'll want to do more because I'm not around. And so I'm going to want to talk about it more. So yeah, oh, that's all I want to say. We'll probably do some more of it, more stuff, more kind of off the cuff stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, what were we, Oh, just rounding out things. You're um, going through your, your quick list of four things. Yeah. I don't That's know, I don't know how many you've, I think that yeah. was all four. Um, we talked about mascot stuff. We might talk about that a little bit later on near the end. Uh, we're definitely going to talk to the NFL draft later on. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that for now. Okay. Yeah. So you just want to move on to a report card for all the sports real quick. I don't, we don't have to go super in depth. I think mostly just like yeah. some quick notes just and a great throw a letter. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's do it. And I'll just preface it. There are like some sports that are still going on and also that I don't know a ton about. So. <laughs> Same, I know. Take these grades with a very hefty grain of salt, uh, especially as we get down the list here. Let's start with the ones we know the most about, which are football, men's basketball, men's soccer, women's basketball, stuff like that. So, um, okay, football. 
Who you want to start, Matt, or you want me to start here? Yeah, you start on this one. Okay, I'm not gonna give a big justification for this because we've talked about plenty of stuff. But my football grade is a B. I'm gonna give it a B, and high level stuff. Seven and six overall, five and three in the conference. Ended the season on a four game win streak. The end of the season really up to this, obviously for me. Um, I thought about giving it a worse grade. I didn't consider going up to an A for football because an A season in my mind is like nine plus wins and a bowl win, right? That's an A season. That's like what we aspire to, I, I think. A B, I, I, honestly, you could go low. Maybe like a B minus would be fair, but I'm sticking with a B here. I'm feeling more optimistic about football um, maybe than most. I don't know. Maybe everybody's on the same page as me, but I'm going to give it a B. I feel like it ended well. I feel like I like our prospects going forward. And I, it, it could have gone so much worse with how that season started. And I'm happy that we were able to bounce back the way we did. So I'm going B. Yeah. So I'll say I'll preface like for me, like a C is like, that is an average season just as like, so that you are kind of aware, like what is my baseline? Okay. And so for, for this season for football, uh, my grade would be a C plus. And that's because like, it was a slightly above average season, you know, looking at records seven and six. And I think part of it is just based on expectations for how it could have gone versus how, you know, certain things turned out. Special teams was pretty bad across the board, like pretty bad outside of kicking. Our kicking was really good for like the first time in a couple of years. Uh, it was just like really good, not mm-hmm. just good. Yeah. And so like, but then offense was like, we were just inconsistent. You know, we still ran into that first quarter slumps. Yeah. Uh, just like slow out of the gate. And then, you know, those games, UC Davis, Navy, winnable games that we just did not play well. And even in some of our wins, we did not play like as strong as we could. And so that to me is like the justification. I can't give it better than on a, like a just above average. Like, yeah, there were a lot of good things winning four like in a row to get to that bowl game, winning the bowl game sets us up great for next year. Cool. But I can't really say like how, my expectations for next year is maybe not what's driving the grade for this year as much. And so for me, it's like, it, it's a C like that's, that's C's get degrees is what they always say in college. So it's like, it got the job done, but it's just frustrating because I feel like there was a, a decent amount left on the table that we didn't get to see. Yeah. It's an interesting point with the C being the average and this being slightly above average. I'm th- yeah. I mean, I hear you. I feel like I agree. And like, I was kind of leaning B, B minus I'll stick with my B just cause I, that's what I said and I'll stick there. But like, when I think about what a C looks like in my head, a C, I don't know. I mean, like if we went five and seven, I guess that's a C. I, you know, if we make a bowl game and lose, what is that for you? Yeah. Um, I would, if we had lost the beach ball, I still would have gone probably a C plus yeah. like the bowl game. It's like, and it's not so much the record of like being seven and six, but it's like, it, it is more into like, yeah, the season was above average. Making a bowl game alone is like, I don't know if that's like not necessarily average because there's a bunch of teams in the country that don't make bowl games. And so making a bowl game is already above average in my mind, but I like, I don't think the the end result of that one had we like, had we got blown out, blown out. Yeah. Maybe that turns into, it's like, you know, you're not look you're not as excited. Obviously I think your grade would be different because part of yours is like the feeling that you get as the season ends coming off of that momentum shift. And so, yeah, it's hard. And I mean, it's fluid, 
very much so. It's just there were so many things, even in the games that we did win, that were just kind of like frustrating. The games that we got blown out in, mm-hmm. like I. That's just kind yeah. of like where I'm sitting. No, man. So. I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Like C plus makes sense. I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm, I think that's wrong at all. Like I think maybe a B minus is actually more fitting now that I think about it more. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. I think somewhere around there is, is totally it. Yeah. Cause I mean, and there's a lot of good things that did like two of our players got drafted, which is huge in yeah. any given year. Right. I mean, very frequently we have like maybe one person very like, frequently. And we I have feel like zero. that's only, yeah. yeah, that's only been the last couple of years where you yeah. even had like a player get drafted. Uh, in general. And so it's like, obviously there is a lot of good that the program is doing. And like one thing that we'll probably talk about a little bit later when we focus more on the draft, but you know, this kind of goes back to um, I think it was the comments that Bill Connolly had when he did like talking about Tulsa for next year, projections for AAC and just like the factory that TU has kind of become. And like, they are such a strong talent development. And so you know, it's hard to judge how much our talent increased this year. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is we'll see pay off next year. And so like, I, I, I would hate to retroactively change my grade for this season based off how good, how much better people are, like how much right. better Davis Brin is in full season two. Mm-hmm. But like, that's part of it is like, there is that talent development that's kind of going on behind the scenes yeah. that really isn't impacting the grade this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I just went back and looked at the uh, number of bowl teams that there were last year. I think there were 88, which is over half, right? For is sure. Is it over half? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's still a bunch that don't make it. Well, yeah. But if you're lose. saying C is half, then that makes sense. Or like, I mean, honestly, it could be worse, right? If like over half the teams make it to a bowl game than a C yeah. it'd be worse than that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think a B is maybe a little bit high with my grade. So if I'm allowed to retro, retro, retroactively change it, I would probably go B minus C plus like you. I'll allow it. All right. Men's you basketball. Only, you can only go, you can go B minus. You cannot go C plus. That's too much of a change. Fair enough. I'm at a B minus. I just updated in my own notes. There we are. It's official. Okay. Uh, men's basketball. How about you start here? This is so hard for me because like part of me wants to grade. There are like two different parts of the season that I want to grade. hundred percent. Like there's the actual basketball that we watch, which is like somewhere between it's like, I I can't say like an F to me would just be like awful. Like there was no good things that happened at all, which like, and maybe that's not fair because an F, like if you think about it, like on our grading scale, F just means like it was a failure of a season, which mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Um, and so to me, it's like somewhere in that range between a D minus, if that's a thing and an F, like our coach resigned, we won 11 games, like barely at times we lost a lot of like games that we shouldn't have. And there were times where we just didn't look great. And so to me, that's where it's got to be. Like it was such an ugly year, especially in comparison to like what we kind of expected and what, you know, like obviously last year it's hard to compare because of COVID as a thing, but like two years ago we were winning conference championships and now it's like, we can't win road games. Yeah. Like that's just kind of a failure as a program. And obviously like, that's what we saw. Like Frank Haith resigned for a reason. Like I, I don't know how much more to justify other than like it was bad, but the flip side is, 
since the season ended, my grade is like completely ch- is like would change <laughs> if that's possible. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like based on what's right. happened since then. But it's like I don't know if that's fair to say. Yeah, like no Conkle and all the things that have happened. Like that's not really something that I can grade this previous yeah. year on. But it's like that would have bumped it up to like a C minus or something like that, mm. just based on what's coming forward. But like I, I just don't feel like I can do that. Yeah, no, you got to play it straight. Like with football, we just talked about how all the all the extracurricular stuff doesn't factor into our grade for the season, right? And so it's got to be the same for basketball. But I, know, I, I totally it's, it's agree. <laughs> it's like, so was your what did you end up saying? A D minus or an F? Uh, I, I I've leaned into the F. Okay, yeah, that's where I had. I didn't even I didn't even put a second thought into this F. It's just like F, move on. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, uh, because you weren't at that UCF game. That yeah. last regular season yeah, game just right. like leaves a pleasant <laughs> taste. Yeah, that's true. And like, no, I hear what you're saying for sure. But I mean, yeah, when you, I was like, yeah, this is right. When you, when you said an F means a failure, and this was definitely a failure of a season, since that fits. I was like, yep, there you go. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough for me. Uh, yeah. So I put F. Didn't even think about it. Otherwise, especially like you said already, compared to where where I was thinking we might end up preseason, like possibly an NIT team. And we obviously weren't anywhere close and we lost a bunch of horrible games and we won some big ones, like you said, especially near the end of the year. Um, but oh man, overall, definitely a failure of a year in my mind, but like you, and I think like everybody very optimistic going into next season, uh, I doubt the payoff will be immediate. Maybe it will be, but I'd be surprised. Um, but yes, for, for right now, grading the past season, it was a failure of a basketball season and I have extremely high hopes for next basketball season. Uh, okay, men's soccer. Um, I'll start with this one. I gave it an A+. Uh, basically, I mean, it, you know, not to say that it couldn't be better because you can win a national championship, um, but we made the third round of the NCAA tournament. We went 16-2-1 and two and one overall, 8-1-1 and one and one in conference. Uh, I talked about the incredible SMU game, the UCF game, some of those games that were just amazing. Um, one of the, I mean, we've got two extremely high-profile people on this team in Alex Meinhardt and Lake Henry Scott and a bunch of other really talented guys up and down the board. So of all the teams, I think this is the team that did the best across all sports uh, in TU Athletics this year. And so they get the A-plus grade from me. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of like, uh, I was like, oh, do I give them an A-plus or is an A-plus just reserved for like winning it all? But it's like, no, nah, it's too too stringent of a criteria. Yeah. It's like they won the conference. They like made a run in the postseason, mm-hmm. like you were always already saying. Like those two guys, plus you had the freshman of the year, yeah, uh, and Alex Lopez uh, at goalie. So, <clears throat> sorry, and like we beat Missouri State, we beat Creighton twice. Like these are these yeah. are powerhouses mm-hmm. when it comes to soccer, um, and like Missouri State was still receiving. Like I think they had a first place vote, or they they were ranked one somewhere. We had first place votes. It's like the highest we were seated i think going into the ncaa tournament and so like you just look at uh, like we're good at soccer pretty regularly yeah. uh on the, the men's side at least and so like this was a great year um and i think it's just kind of like it's a positive feedback loop for this sport like obviously like we've had success that will breed more students to come play soccer for us and it's like it just builds a lot of momentum. Yeah, totally agree. And you look at, um, you know, you mentioned freshman of the year. We also had the coach of the year this year and Tom McIntosh. We had the offensive player of the year and Alex Meinhard. Um, I'm trying to, I think we got some kind of like fair play, like good sportsman award also for the soccer team. 
across the board, like everybody did well. And I was looking up to make sure I got the, the coach of the year, right. And it being Tom, um, and his little bio, uh, just the, the like little blurb right at the top is like, he is, I didn't know this. He is only the fourth coach in the 40 year history of the program. So we're averaging 10 years per head coach uh, for the soccer team, which is, I mean, I, I know that soccer is a different beast than football and men's basketball with how, how frequently and how in demand certain coaches are and can be, but 10 years per coach. I mean, that is, uh, that's impressive. So that is very cool. Well, itself. You do 10 years per coach. And he's also been the coach since 1995. So it's like yeah, three coaches know, know. for 20 <laughs> years. And then yeah. it's like him for almost 20 years yeah, for sure. And it's like, I, you kind of speak to it and like, maybe when we get into softball later, like he is Tulsa soccer. And so like, we just need to do whatever we can to keep him. Yeah. Same, same with like coach goalie for cross country track field. So. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, yeah. So let's see, where are we? Women's basketball. Yeah. Let's do women's basketball. How about you kick us off here? Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is hard because I had to be like the amount of excitement that went into this year. And obviously like this was a very good year. But it's like, where is that distinction come in between an A and a B plus for me? And it's like, I feel like I'm leaning B plus here. Um, Like A to me would be like, you were really, but part of it is like, sorry, I'm rambling. An A for this would be like winning the conference or making a good run in the conference tournament, like being a contender for it. And obviously like, that's not where we were, but a lot of what we're taking is somewhat comparative to years prior and like where we were versus where we've been Mm -hmm. and nit postseason play like that's the fourth fourth or fifth time that we've been in the postseason that's huge (laughs) year one winning 10 games in a row like this was obviously like a turning point season for them um and so like to me b plus is a very strong grade if you like it's well above average and that's kind of where we were and like that's really good for this team right now being as young as we are to like already be at that point. And like, we've talked about this so much, just the trajectory going forward uh, and like how I can easily see it kind of shift up to an A. Um, yeah, no, Matt, I'm on the same page as you. And like, I, I almost, and you're, you, you said B plus and I was like, right when you said that, I was like, Oh man, I, I almost gave him an A plus in this just because I was really leaning into the, you know, compared to what it's been for so long. And I know I, I pulled up the little page of our uh, records all time for Tulsa women's basketball. I don't, I'm not going to count them all up right now, but when we talked to Angie Nelp, um, we talked about it a little bit and it was like, we've had, I think single digit numbers of seasons where we've had a winning record in women's basketball It's something like that. Maybe that's wrong. It's something, there's some stat like that. That is very, very surprising. Uh, when it, when you hear it and the fact that this new coach comes in and wins 10 in a row, like just immediately basically puts that out of the question, um, was amazing. You know, it totally turned around how people think about Tulsa women's basketball in, in a lot of people's minds. And so for us to do that, and like you said already, get to the postseason and win a game in the postseason and move on a little bit, keep going, uh, was amazing. And got a conference tournament win in there as well with Wichita State, like checked off so many boxes all in one year. In the first year, lots of energy and a younger head coach. It's just, 
I like I gave it an A was my final grade because I was like A plus is a little bit of a stretch. You know, it's not like we we went to the NCAA tournament and won a couple of games and you know made this week sixteen or something. But I mean, it was I mean I I it, it's hard to imagine a bigger turnaround. We went five and fourteen last year, and now we're seventeen and ten. You know, I mean, it is just so different. So I'm sticking with my A grade uh, for the women's team. Yeah, and like like I said, I was. I was, it was a toss up kind of around there for me. Part of it is like there, there are just definitely some rookie mistakes that I think like not rookie. I don't know. It makes it like, I know what I'm talking about. There were just too many like missteps kind of through it. Like you got the losses to Cincinnati twice to Houston, things like that, where like, I think a team that was well above average, like we win those games. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what sets that difference apart from like being an A tier kind of season versus that B plus. And so that's kind of like, I think we'll get there. I think, you know, coach Nelp is the, is the coach that's going to get us across that hump just based on what we've seen from year one. Yeah. So B plus is not a knock. B plus is really good in my book. I just want to make sure I can't yeah. be out that. Yeah. Awesome. That's good stuff. All right. Now I think we're crossing the bridge into sports. <laughs> we know less about. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, so the easy one, I think that's pretty easy. Just, based on like almost every year it's the same grade as cross country. And that's true. Like, yeah, to me, cross country, a plus. Yeah. Like right. win the conference regularly, did it again this year, both sides. And like what I think we finished, let me. Yeah. Sixth at the NCAA championship. Yeah. yeah. I have that like, in my notes too. That is an a plus season. <laughs> yeah. Like the only way it can right. get better is if we win. And like, that's an A plus, that's an S. I don't know if that's a rank. (laughs) Yeah. Spectacular. Um, Yeah. Like that's kind of the only thing that could be improved at this point. Like that's, this already such an incredible run by the men's team. Uh, Like the women didn't finish at sixth. I don't remember exactly um, where they, I don't think they went. I don't, so I don't even know. I don't, I don't know if going to the NCAAs is a thing in cross country, but all I could see was that they finished seventh in the regionals. And then I couldn't find anything about anything NCAA related. Yeah. So they didn't make the NCAA championships then. Um, yeah. Cause they, so obviously men and women got first men got third at the regional ended up getting an at large to the NCAA championships. Uh, Cause only the top two finishers for each regional go. Okay. And then it's an at large bit after that. So obviously like our region is incredibly strong. I'm trying to remember who else came out of that. I believe it's like OSU maybe. Yeah. OSU and Iowa state. Yeah. So Iowa state got second. Oklahoma state was third in the country. So our region is stacked. And so us getting third and getting an at large, like makes a lot of sense. Uh, women finishing seventh at regionals, not good enough to, you know, get that at large bid, but still like that's still an A plus season for me. Yeah, I would say, you know, A-plus for the men. I feel like if you're combining the two, it probably drops down to an A, right? I mean, both had very successful seasons, conference championships on both sides. Just amazing. It's hard to it's hard to even, like, talk about it. Like, like it can be less than an A-plus. But A-plus would be they both go to the NCAAs, right, I, I guess, and, and do however they do there. I think I'll drop it down to an A just because of that, but still extremely successful on both sides. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that is, so like, if you're thinking about it in terms of like how basketball, how tennis, how soccer works, where it's like, or even softball, like where there's tournaments that you go to, it's like not quite the same. And so like the regionals can be considered the first or second round, 
mm-hmm. of the like of an equivalent NCAA tournament. So do it's not like, does not everybody meet. go to the regionals? No. Oh, so like there right. were only uh, ten teams, I think, that go in each region. Gotcha. And so like you have to win your tournament. You have to win your con- it's only conference champions or like oh, maybe two at larges. Okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. So yeah. that's All kind right. of how I view it and why I still consider it an A plus. Yeah. Fair. Cool. Okay. Um, so that was cross country. Let's see. What do we want to do next? We got uh okay, so let's let's do volleyball since we're talking about it. Um I don't know if I watched any women's volleyball this year, which is sad to say. Uh because man, that used to be like I would go watch a bunch of those in college because the coach is the man, Ryan Walls, right? And, uh, or Ryan Mills. And he would come like hang out at the fraternity houses and try to get us all to come. And it was amazing. And that guy was awesome. And he's still there. And now I feel bad that I'm not going to the games. Uh, so try to hang out like so much as he would come and be like, Hey, if you guys come to the games, I'll give you pizza. We weren't like chilling with him. the whole time. yeah, no, sorry if it came (laughs) off that way. No, he was not like coming over and hanging out with the fraternity guys at all. That absolutely never happened. He would like come knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm the volleyball coach. Uh, I've got a bunch of pizza and maybe some beer also, if you want to come to our volleyball games and we'd be like, Hell yeah. And we would do that. And they were very fun. And we were like very good when we were in college there. Um, not quite as good this season, 14 and 16, nine and 11 in the conference. Uh, I don't know what that equates to maybe like a C minus or something as a grade, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable even talking much about this team cause I didn't hardly watch them at all. And so, um, they're fun to like volleyball is fun to watch. It's not like I don't watch it because I didn't it's because we've got all this other stuff to like going on with the podcast. There's um, only so many sports, like only yeah. so much time you have to watch sports in general. So it's kind of, that, that does make it tough, but yeah, yeah. no. And I agree with that. Like we're, we are like prior to COVID last year, I think we played maybe like seven, somewhere between eight or nine games total. And they were all over the place, like sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like kind of hard to judge based on that, but you look back like the last couple of years, like we're used to having, like we win, we have winning records. And so yeah, from totally. that lens, like, yeah, I would agree. A C minus is probably in store. It's been, like we've had a lot of success since joining the American uh, and this year, this year was just not it. And so yeah. it started off kind of rough. Like you had the first tournament that we were supposed to go to at Nebraska, go big red uh, was just canceled, which I will say like Nebraska perennial powerhouse in women's volleyball. I'm pretty sure they won again this year. Wow. Um, did not know that. Yeah. I, I, I only go to grad school at champions, <laughs> but anyways, like, so, you know, you start off the season with another tournament canceled. And so it's like, oh, already it's a kind of in disarray, but yeah, I think yeah. C minus is kind of fair in my mind, just because like we've seen that the team is generally like putting out winning seasons. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, maybe we just go pretty quick through the rest of these. Uh, and if you have anything extra to say, obviously you can, but I, I don't have much to say on the rest of them. Um, yeah, so for women's soccer, uh, did not look that good. Uh, six and nine and two overall. The conference is the real, the real dammer here. One and six and one tie in conference play. Um, not great. Another like C minus, like D style season, I think. I mean, one and six in conference in any sport, and it's not good. And so, uh, again, didn't watch much women's soccer this year. I think I tuned in for one stream. I can even remember what it was, but again, I don't feel great about talking about it in depth, but doesn't look like a great season from them from a high level. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a C minus part of it. Um, it's like, this is 
Coach Ryan's like first year as the head coach. He's been with mm-hmm. the program since 2008, was an assistant uh, starting in 13, was the interim last year and is now or like 20. Well, no, I think he was the interim during last season um, and like has been named the full-time starting coach this year. And so if like all that turmoil kind of stuff and just based on like the women's soccer team, not in the same place as the men's. The men's has seen yeah. a lot of success and is now a powerhouse, not only in conference, but just in like this, this world of college soccer in general. So like women's soccer is kind of like just getting started. And so, yeah, the conference is pretty strong on that side. And so it's a tough place to be to rebuild. Um, so yeah, I'll say below average, but I, I don't think it's quite a terrible year, all things considered. Cool. Uh, men's tennis hit me. Yeah. So just from here on out, I'm going to caveat this with like these seasons are potentially still going on. Uh, we don't know. So like these grades, not necessarily final because men's tennis, um, you know, they were ranked as high as 47, uh, I think going into the conference tournament last week, but lost to Memphis in the semis. And so are now waiting until Monday, which by the time we record this, maybe we know maybe, um, or not at least this is hard. Yeah. By the time we release this, sorry. We're recording on Sunday. Um, We're recording currently. Like, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, they may or may not get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. And so for me, this is kind of a. Uh, I'll say it's like between a B and a B plus, just because we're often very good at tennis uh, on both the men and women's side. And so, like this was honestly, I think we were just we were, we were good. B is still good in my mind but we were not quite to the level that I think we expect on a regular basis. Um, and so it's like, I'm just going to leave it at B for now. If they make the NCAA tournament, I'll futuristically, I don't retroactively B plus, but yeah, kind of like it's dependent on that for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I had it at a B minus, uh, with the 15 and 11 overall record two and four conference record, um, Two and four in conference kind of did it to me, I think, brought me down to the minus. But I'm on mostly the same page as you. It's exciting to see that we even have a chance at getting selected to the NCAA tournament. I, I think for the men's side, we probably won't. I don't know if you said that already, but that's how it's kind of looking. Um, but, yeah, so B minus for me right now, but we'll see on Monday. Uh, women's side, a little bit better. 17 and 8 overall, 4 and 3 in conference. I gave it an A minus. Uh, I think there's a very good chance they get selected to the NCAA tournament. Uh, beat Houston and the two seed SMU in the conference tournament uh, very recently, and then lost to Memphis. Uh, both teams, I'm pretty sure, lost to Memphis in the conference tournament, uh, which is a bummer. It always sucks to lose to them. But, Same uh, day. So I know, man. Uh, but lost to them in the championship game on the women's side, and the men's side lost to them in the semifinal. Um, and like Matt mentioned, NCAA selections for both, right, men and women, are tomorrow? Yep. Okay, yeah, so we'll see you tomorrow. But for now, I mean, successful season overall. Winning record in conference, 17-8 and eight overall. I'll give it an A-. minus. Yeah, so I'm similar for me. It's B-plus right now with probably an A if we make the conference turn, the NCAA championships, which I expect to. And yeah. so it's like it's an in-progress B-plus. If somehow we get – we're they're ranked 50th right now, which, you know, top, six, top 64. I don't think it's 68 for women's tennis, but mm-hmm. – great season uh obviously like a lot of good wins um yeah that's i'll just leave it there this is matt from the future uh we recorded this episode in early may and so since between the time that we recorded and now when it's being put out uh the men's tennis team 
qualified for the NCAA tournament. Uh, the women's team did not. So just wanted to give a quick update on our final report cards for that. Uh, the men's tennis team ended up playing against number 25, Texas A&M, in the first round. Unfortunately, that's where their season ended. And the women, kind of to my surprise, uh, didn't get a bit at all. And so final grades for both of those, I would still be pretty happy to put them at a B plus. Very nice. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's everything. Maybe women's golf we have left, which I know golf, nothing golf, about. Golf, rowing, softball, track and field. We talked Don't about softball, much. didn't we? Just briefly, like just about the coach. I'll just go right now. To me, softball is – I I feel bad saying it's an F, but like this is oh, the dang, first time. Oh, dang, is that bad? Oh, no, I knew, I knew they were – oh, I remember. Okay, never mind. Yeah, go on. Because <laughs> so right now the women's softball team is 15-29-1, so it is impossible for them to Oof. have a winning record because there's only three games left and then the conference tournament. Um this is the first time they have had a losing record in 22 years. So Ouch. to me, that's, that's a failure of a season. Like yeah. there's a lot of games in softball and to be like 15 under is rough. And so like we're feeling right now, coach Barkfelt was the one that turned Tulsa into a powerhouse. Um, and he left two years ago. And so I think, I think we're kind of starting to see that. I've heard that like transfer portal stuff is starting to make an impact on softball as well. And then it's like, you have, the number one team an hour and a half away. You have like the number six team an hour away in OU and OSU respectively. Yeah, right. And so like the state is a tough battleground for softball players. And so this, this is not a good season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to have anything to add really on the rest of these. I, I know basically zero on, on the rest. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard like track and field. Um, it's like a two part season and it's like, we're not quite as good. Like we're placing some people at meets rowing. Rowing is such a hard sport just to like, cause for rowing, it really all comes down to the conference championship is kind of the big thing. Um, like a lot of the meets ahead of time, don't play too much. The varsity eight um, team won a couple meets this last, like they won at Creighton last week. They wanted another one a couple weeks ago. But it's like the conference championship is kind of the big thing because that determines whether or not you you move on. So that doesn't happen for, you know, till later this month. So it's hard to kind of give them an overall grade. Uh, and then women's golf, I believe their season is over. Um, they played in the conference tournament last week. And it's like they were coming off, you know, defending champions of uh, of the conference. You know, they won last year, which was awesome and got like robbed of being able to play in the NCAA uh, regionals because of like weather. And it was so stupid. And then they ended up playing at like a bar stool. Uh, oh yeah. Which was, That's right. So it's kind of, kind of like a fun story. Yeah. So, but this year uh, in respect to that finished seventh, not that great. Um, so that's like a C minus in my book. So I think that's it. So overall, Matt, if you were going to give overall athletics, athletics. Okay, that's tough. Um, and are we just talking about, we're just talking about seasons, not like all our sports seasons, not taking into account coaches that we've hired. No. Changes just, that we think are just coming. Just the seasons we have seen take place over the last eight months or however long it's been since August. Yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a B. I'll say the top, I'll get, yeah, it, it's got to be a, a B. Like the top sports, 
were really good, but I mean, two Fs in my mind and a couple yeah. like four C minuses just kind of like bring it down a little bit too. Yeah. An above average season overall, but it's like also when you're looking at some of the, and I hate to say, like, I'm not trying to say any sports are more important, but if you look at like, what do people know? It's basketball, it's football. And it's like football was average. Basketball was awful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, nothing to add. I, I had it straight as a, a straight B as well. No B minus, no B plus, right down the middle of a B um, for most of the same reasons. Uh, so I don't need to really reiterate them there. So yeah, I, I'm with you. B for athletics in general uh, for 2021-22 athletic year for TU. All right, let's do some awards, which should be fun. Uh, we're going to do a men's athlete of the so year, hard. women's athlete of the year, coach of the year, and most improved players of the year. Uh, okay. So men's athlete of the year, who should start? Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Uh, I'll start, uh, just cause I'm worried you're going to go with the one that I, I'm going to probably, take. um, yeah. So for me, I, I think it's Alex Minard for men's soccer. Yeah. That's what um, I do. <laughs> he was, he was the yeah. AAC offensive player of the year. Soccer was our best sport. Like, and he was just so dominant in our best sport in our best sport, like obviously you had a lot of really good players, I think across the board. But if you look at what was our best sport, who was our best player? He was not only good at TU, he was good in the conference. Like he is at, I, I don't think MLS has a combine uh, necessarily, but he is getting like tryouts for the MLS draft at this point. So if he doesn't come back, he's potentially playing pro next year. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, he's got to be like the best, like men's athlete on the team. If, the other one that it kind of comes, well, I'll let you go first before I put my, my runner up. Yeah. And I've got a couple other ideas too, because I thought we might both say Alex Minard, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, and like all, all this good stuff he did, and you, you mentioned it earlier in the episode, but like he, most of the season, not just the end, he was dealing with injuries all year and many times during the season. And he still like was, I think he was the unanimous AAC offensive player of the year pick 12 goals, five more than the next guy on the team, uh, which was Malik Henry Scott. Who's a phenomenal player in his own right. Uh, five for five on penalty kicks this season, which is awesome. Um, and like, he's, I think the thing that sums it up the best, he was the best player on the best Tulsa team this year. So you got to go with, I mean, he was, he was awesome. Um, the soccer team was fantastic. We talked about them plenty. So I, f- I feel like he's the, he's the clear winner here, but who are your, uh, your alts? I've got, I've got a couple as well. Yeah, so one of the alts is Scott Beatty um, from the cross country team. Nice, um, because he was so he was the American Runner of the Year, finished like 89th overall in the NCAA finals. Um, and like it's hard to pick from the cross country runners because they're all really good, and we have like such a history of success. I mean, you look at the Olympics, like more often than not, I feel like we've got a Tulsa runner somewhere yeah. up there. Right, like we just you know had one elect in the hall of fame this past year. So he was the other one. Cause it's like another one of our dominant sports. And then I, I, I don't know. This one is just kind of like weird, but it's like, I don't want to say Tyler Smith because like, yeah, he got drafted in the first round, but it's like, I don't think he was our best player on that team um, necessarily. And so like, is there somebody from football? I don't know. I almost want to be like Chris Paul also got drafted is awesome. It's just like, if there's the, like who embodies Tulsa, you know, he just does that so well. And so it's like, I just, I feel like I got to give him a shout out. 
Chris Paul over Tyler Smith is a spicy take. Uh, but, I mean, I, I mean, know what you're saying. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, no, I, it's, I, yeah. I, can only, I can only do that because neither of them are the men's athlete of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, I, I'm, when I'm thinking about guys on the football team that I would take, I, uh, for like athlete of the year, like it's so weird because it's just they're both both of our best you know quote unquote best players who are going to the nfl are offensive linemen which is the position i know the least about on football right uh, and clearly they're very good like going to the nfl one of them was a first round draft pick which is insane uh for tu and so that's definitely got to be up there but like the guy i first thought of when thinking about football is jackson player because he had a hell of a year he's been the best player i feel like on our team for a while um, we talked about him all season as being the best player on this football team. Obviously now he's, he's gone to Baylor, uh, and will certainly be a draft pick next year. Um, uh, but man, it's like, I feel like I would pick him. Uh, no disrespect to Tyler Smith. Uh, I just don't know as much. You don't watch the offensive line. Like I don't know as much about the defensive line either, but you watch the D line when the offense is out there. You don't really, at least I don't really watch the O line as much. And so it's just not on my mind. Um, watching them. So like watching the games and stuff, Jackson player sticks out to me uh, more than Tyler Smith does. So he's an alt uh, for me. The other one, um, best player on, on our worst team, Jariah Horn, <laughs> but he's a great player. Uh, so I feel like he gets, he's got to get some uh, respect here for, uh, for what he did for the basketball team, regardless of the team themselves not doing well. Uh, he had a great year. And so uh, I think he deserves a mention for sure. The real goat of the football team though, Zach Long. <laughs> true man i mean honestly he, man he freaking killed it this year uh that's a good one deep cut good stuff uh yeah. okay women's athlete of the year um let's see who started the last one you did, did. uh okay women's athlete of the year i am going why mayberry led the team in points per game for the women's basketball team 14.1 points a game three point percentage was 43 percent also led the team and that was insane so many good three-point shooters on this team right and she was the best of them that by itself i think it puts you up there in consideration uh only a sophomore too so got plenty more years of watching why vet carry this team not even carry but be a leader on this team um so i feel like of all the people i mean she's I have a second one here. I'm curious who you say. I'll say my second one later. Um, but why that I feel like of the women's teams that I really watched and cared and paid attention to, uh, she felt like the leader on that team and that was really doing well. Yeah. So I'm curious if like my pick is who you had. Um, because for me, it was, I, I feel like the player that kind of just brought the new mentality to women's basketball and just was kind of like, this is like was the freshman was the rookie of the year for the mm. AAC and that's Tamara Poindexter. Yeah, like, no, I definitely, she's not my second of, one, but I, I, I was actually between putting her or why vet for my basketball pick. I have a different non-basketball pick, but okay. yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And she was just like, I don't know how many times I think she won freshman of the week. <laughs> almost every week it was possible. I mean, there was a stretch or where it was, it was like, like three in a row. Yeah. yeah. It was and it was like her, it was Delaney Crawford. Like, yeah. And so she was a freshman and just probably like our most dominant player on the inside, uh, like Rebecca Liskai was in there, but as like Poindexter had the size, she was a really good free throw shooter, just a good shooter overall. Mm -hmm. And like, so she, she shot 43, 44% overall, still shot over 30% from three as a, as a big, it was like 80% from the line. Like that's an incredibly great line. One of our better, better rebounders, Average 12 points a game. 
like had career highs and points against Wyoming field goals made against Wyoming. Like just when she went, played well, the team played well, I think is part of it. Like mm-hmm. as she went, when she struggled, I think the team kind of struggled in general. Um, and so for me, like she was just kind of, she was one of my favorite players to watch on that team, which is, is saying a lot. Cause there were a lot of fun players to watch on that team and still are. Cause so many, like they're coming back majority. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to argue. Like she was clearly a, a definitive factor on this team, especially as a young player as incredible, but just like when you're looking at who was the best player, I feel like Yvette gets a little bit of the edge. Um, you know, like I said, already led the team in points per game and three point percentage. And, when you've got a team with so many talented scorers and yeah, like Ty Meyer was right there and she also averaged fewer minutes per game, right. than Yvette. And so maybe that's a factor as well. Uh, but percentage wise, uh, Yvette Mayberry was the best three point shooter. I think Maddie Biddle was the best field goal percentage, but man, there were just a bunch of good players on this team. Uh, so it's tough, but no, I hear you. Tamira was amazing. Uh, so she's definitely up there. The other one, my, my second one, which I know nothing about just looking at her numbers. I mean, made her look amazing, uh, was this Leon Benedejcic, uh, from the women's tennis team. And I know nothing about tennis or women's tennis, uh, but the team was pretty good. We already talked about him 17 and seven this year. Uh, her stats make her look like arguably the best on that team. So if we're just saying good teams and their best players, I'd probably throw her up there as well. Uh, but there were a couple others on that tennis team that stand out. Um, Lily Hutchings is up there and then Laya Conde Monfort, uh, up there as well. So wanted to give some shouts there. Throw an editor's note in here. So since recording this episode, Laya Conde Monfort was named the AAC women's tennis player of the year. Uh, so, you know, Ryan mentioned her in this episode, but I just wanted to highlight that. She was 18-7 and seven overall, finished the year on a seven-game uh, singles, like single match streak, um, and was un- a unanimous selection to the all-conference team for the second consecutive year. Um, and she's the fourth Golden Hurricane to be named the AAC Player of the Year just since 2016. So keeping up that tradition. All right. Uh, man, I feel like this is going to be an easy one. Let's see. We could say it on three, maybe, but coach of the year. Um, okay. <laughs> man, Let's do okay. it. Let's I'm, do it I'm on three. Now, because now, now I'm worried. Like, oh man, like, because I there were two for me that I thought, Shoot, but I really, I, I've I, got, I've I got, literally got, only thought of one. I've got one ahead. So let's let's do it. Okay. Uh, let's do three, two, one, go, or three, two, one, name. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, Angie. Angie nope. nope. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. You you start. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this one's pretty obvious um, because of everything we've talked about. Like single-digit wins. This is not. This is a program that has not had consistent success and has like not had that much success overall. Just yeah. as, and like you look at last year with a lot of like the same players on our team, and just the turnaround that took place in year one mm-hmm. is huge. And like. There, there was a couple freshmen. Coach Nelp didn't. She wasn't the one who recruited them, but turned these players into like just such a strong team. That like majority, like a bunch of the seniors are coming back to play. We have new recruits next year. Like this is not only like this is the most improved like one year turnaround that I feel like we've seen at any sport for TU. Totally um, agree. And it's just like it was fun. She's an awesome person to talk to. Like she's so involved in like 
wants people to come to games, wants that fan engagement. And, but it's not like just, she just doesn't expect or like demand. She's actively making it so that like fans feel wanted that we feel engaged. Yeah. And it's like, that is what you need at the university of Tulsa. That is like what it takes to be such an awesome coach. And the basketball that she coaches is a heck of a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Can I, can I guess who your, uh, your other one was? Was it Tom McIntosh? It was. Okay, nice. But yeah, real quick before you talk about him, uh, I, I agree on on Nelp. Just like the amount of juice that was immediately injected into that program with how this team started this year is like indescribable. It is totally different. We've been doing this podcast for four years. Women's basketball has been around that whole time. I've never cared about women's basketball the way that I cared about it this season. Like not even close. And so that, I, I mean, and I... I think of myself as somebody who likes basically any TU sport that's going to be on that I can watch. Right. And I went out of my way to watch a lot of women's basketball games that were during work days and during not the greatest times, uh, you know, cause it's women's basketball. They're not at like, even some men's basketball games are at awkward times. Um, and so I, it was just a totally different product on the court this year. It was amazing. Um, some other little quick notes about the team. I feel like we've talked about some of them already, but best start to the season in women's basketball history to you led the nation in three point percentage at one point this year. Uh, I think we ended in the top 10 somewhere. I can't remember. Um, got a massive incoming class seven. We talked about it. I think last episode, seven incoming players coming in, uh, between transfers and high school, which is crazy. So yeah, totally on board with engine help, but uh, let me hear your, your, uh, your case for Tom McIntosh. Well, so for this, I mean, any year you win the tournament, and you have as dominant a season overall. Yeah. Like even if it's, and I won't say that's ever necessarily like the expectation um, kind of thing, but just like the performance that he had and like the way he was able to still win while some of his best players were injured or dealing with injuries or like just situations like that. And the amount of consistency that we've seen is just, he's always got to be up there. Anytime the team is dominant, like he's that good of a coach, like even in our bad years, we're still pretty decent. And so like, I don't know, it was just such an exciting ride. Uh, the, the gif of after we beat UCF and we win is just so exciting of him just like going crazy on the (laughs) sideline. Oh my God, I know. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, that's the other one that, that was why he was like, I was torn on that. Like I knew I was leaning Nelp, Mm -hmm. uh, just because of like how much of an impact I think that she had. Whereas like, I don't know. I don't want to say like, obviously Macintosh has a huge impact on the soccer team, but it like pretty jar. Like we weren't here before I was born the year he became the head coach. I don't know what it was like before. (laughs) I know what wins basketball was like prior to this year. So I don't know. That's just kind of, that's how it is. And plus, you know, maybe I'm a little biased towards uh, coach Nelp since she was the first coach that we brought on and has like our merch and yeah. is like big, is like a fan of the podcast. So that's, <laughs> that's, pretty aw- that's pretty awesome. Yeah. We got to get Tom on. I bet. I, I don't know. We haven't talked to him, but I bet he'd be down. Uh, it's not, not, not to say that we've reached out and he hasn't done it. We just got to reach out and get that, get that scheduled. But no, I agree. And, and like you mentioned, uh, you know, Nelp and, and Macintosh, and we've talked about them and, I think it's clear also that it's clear what sports TU is kind of hanging their hat on right now. It sticks out to me when Eric Conkle was hired and we had his introductory press conference meet and greet thing. Um, 
there were four coaches there, at least that got some press, right? It was obviously Eric Conkle, but then outside of him, it was Philip Montgomery, who's the football coach, which now we've covered the two big, like, you know, quote unquote revenue sports or whatever. Uh, the other two that these are the two I'm trying to say are like in this same vicinity of sports that TU is happy with and wants to advertise as a product, um, to the public, which are one Angie Nelp was there at the, at the press conference. And the other one was unsurprisingly Tom McIntosh. And so they, those four together, like got up, but like behind or in front of a, you know, the classic like media TU wallpaper thing behind them and had pictures taken of them as like, this is TU athletics, right? That's like the image they were portraying. Um, not to say that like cross country and track who are very successful and stuff don't have amazing coaches, but the ones that TU is trying to present to the public as look at our athletics, right? It's those four, it's football, it's men's basketball, it's women's basketball and it's men's soccer. And they have been big and successful. Uh, well, men's basketball, not, not really and football, some kind of recently, but you know, you can see where they're trying to hang their hat. And I feel like those four coaches together, I'm pretty optimistic about the, the, them in totality, uh, going forward. All right. Uh, last award, most improved. Um, I started coach of the, wait, we said at the same time who went first. I you. went first. Okay. Okay. Uh, quick. Was this, yeah. so did you mean this as like a, a person or like a team? Yeah. I was thinking players. Okay. okay. You can do a team if you want. <laughs> do whatever you want. It's a podcast. We own it. You can do whatever you want, Matt. Um, so most improved I did player, uh, there were a couple, both of them came unsurprisingly, maybe it's surprising, I don't know. I thought it was unsurprising uh, based on the teams here, but uh, both came from women's basketball. And also, the one I'm going to start with here was also my women's athlete of the year. So Yvette Mayberry gets my most improved athlete of the year award. You look at her um, her percentages in terms of offense this year. Uh, like I mentioned already, she led the team in three-point percentage at 43%. Matt, have you looked this up already? Do you know what it was last year? Guess what it was if you haven't. Uh, 32. No, 43% this year, last season, three point percentage, 23.9. That is massive. That is a massive improvement year over year. That is a huge reason we were like, there were a lot of reasons we were good this year. Her improvement was significant. Her field goal percentage also went way, way, way up. Uh, this season it was 44.5% from the field. Last season, 30.6. So 15% jump almost there. Uh, a 20% jump um, last season in terms of three-point percentage. That is just amazing to me. Uh, so she gets most improved uh, for me. I have another one, but I'll let you give yours um, first. Yeah. Um, so I had originally thought of this as like a team, and it was like women's basketball. Easy, most improved. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like what you're saying is because you had, so you had two players from that team as like the most improved. And I think that speaks to the program as a whole. And so I was just trying to quickly rack my brain around like a player. And so like to me, and I would say this is more like maybe as his like career has kind of happened, but like Zach long, just, Oh my God, that is a great call. Yeah. Where we are place kicking. And the fact that like he set records this year. Yeah. Whereas like he was okay last year and he was like, not really straight bad two years ago. Yeah. And so (laughs) like to where he's at, he's coming back for another year. Like when have we ever as Tulsa fans, either while we were doing the podcast 
all the way through. Like you got to go back to Redford Jones. That's right? that's that's who I thought of Where, immediately. I was like, who was our last like, good kicker? Redford Jones. Yeah, and it's like, when have we ever been like a fifty yard kick? All right, I think Zach <laughs> Zach's, Zach's got this. And I cannot like, believe it. Yeah, that was not the case. You two years ago, it'd be like thirty yards, and you're like, oh goodness gracious, like go for the go for it. Do not <laughs> yeah. kick the ball. For and sure. So like for me, that's that's where it is, and it's like we used to lose games on special teams because of kicking. Now totally. we we lose games, but our kicking keeps us in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, that is a great call. I didn't even consider him. I think because last year he was still pretty good, right? But when you look at if we're if you go back to like his evolution at TU, if we're looking at like a career who has improved the most over their entire career, he's way up there. I mean, that could be ever i mean like he was not a good kicker he was a walk-on he was a soccer player i mean i'm sure that's the case for a lot of a lot of kickers in football i don't know but i mean he was not good his first year that he was doing the the place kicking duties and the field goal kicking duties and man he is rock solid i never would have put money on that uh if you asked me two years ago but here we are also okay so as a junior he was 510 weighed 170 pounds and now he's like 6'2 like he had a little growth spurt from junior year that. or they trying to lie. juice his uh his nfl draft prospects <laughs> bumping his numbers up it's so funny uh that's cool um uh, my other one was another women's basketball person uh not i mean still big jumps but not the ridiculous jumps that why mayberry had from last year but maddie biddle had a huge jump in a lot of things um points per game 4.8 last year 10.9 this year also much more playing time so it's hard to uh, justify that but percentage wise also big jump so it's not just because of the playing time so you look at her three-point percentage this season 41.3 i think that was second best on the team her three-point percentage last season 31.6 so a full 10 percent jump up this year field goal percentage she led the team 45.5 percent uh this year and 37.7 percent last year so another nice jump um just awesome i mean another huge improvement not quite the crazy crazy numbers that yvette jumped up um, but very nice numbers for sure uh, from Maddie Biddle. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you trace that back to coach Nelp, like yeah, just the system that I think she brought in and just the change. I think it really just obviously like these players improved a lot because their three point percentage jumping up that much is a hundred percent. Like they got better. They yeah. became And one of them, and I really should stipulate good. like why that, also, there's going to most usually be a bigger jump from freshman to sophomore, right? Than there's probably going to be from junior to senior in Maddie's mm-hmm. case. But still, like going a 10% improvement in three-point percentage from junior to senior year, that's insane. Yeah. And I think coach let them, coach let them cook. And they yeah. proved like they're good. And For sure. like it's only going to get better in my mind. Yeah, totally agree. It's awesome. Uh, we have a little section on looking ahead here. I feel like we already did a lot of that during this episode. Um, so maybe we don't need to do it. I was basically just going to talk about stuff we've already talked about, like game day improvements and, uh, Brad Carson committing to like, if you're going to do something, do it well, you know, commit to excellence in athletics, which we haven't done stuff like that. We've already talked about a lot of that. So my, 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 uh, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say like the one, if I was going to like encapsulate this whole thing, um, of looking ahead to T athletics is it feels like that it feels like to you we talked about this a little bit several episodes or you know with with brad and after that but it just feels like to you cares about sports again after many many years of not caring about them at all at least that's how it came off to me um so i like looking at it just feels different and i know we keep saying that but it's true yeah and like i keep coming to this 
it's the same quote. And part, part of the reason I keep doing it is because it's like, that's like, it's like Tulsa's, I don't know if it's our official motto or like an unofficial, but like a new kind of energy is like on this used to be on the old city's flag. Uh, it's on like, if you ever see like a water truck or anything, it says new energy. Um, and like, that's what it feels like. And like, yeah, my quick is I've not been this excited at the end of a year as like, I don't know, ever, uh, for, for (laughs) for the sport. Yeah. Um, right. Which is, which is awesome. And I think part of that is like, have a meeting, like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if I want to talk about it, but I'll decide if I'll cut it later. Like part of that is like, I talked about that they're doing like committees and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like we're going to be going, talking to people about how can we help make to you a better experience like for fans and stuff like that. And so like, I just feel like this momentum is going to carry through the summer and it's just going to be an awesome start to the season next year. Yeah. hundred percent. I I'm with you. I feel like it hasn't been, I haven't been this excited about the future of TU sports ever. Uh, and that goes beyond just like football is the next one we're going to be talking about. Right. When, uh, when fall comes back around, um, but it's every sport, like every sport feels like it's, it's new and like, it's better. And so I'm, I'm really psyched about, uh, the prospects of the future. It's, it's, it's good stuff. All right. Uh, let's talk about the NFL draft real quick, and then we'll kind of bullet, uh, hit some quick bullets after that and, and close this thing out. But the NFL draft, it happened. It was a big deal. Um, we had the, the biggest note. I guess I'll just get to it here. Um, Tyler Smith was taken in the first round. It is, let me get to my, uh, my bullets on this. Um, fourth ever first round pick for TU. The other one, let me uh, back up a sec. He went number 24 to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. Uh, fourth ever first round pick. The others are Glenn Dobbs, obviously, and that was way, way back. That was our first ever. And then there was a big, big, big stretch of time where we didn't have any. And then there was Steve August. And then there was 44 more years where we didn't have any. And then there was Zayvon Collins. And then the very next year we had Tyler Smith, right? So two years in a row of first round picks. Uh, that is the first time Tulsa has ever, ever had a first round pick two years in a row. And I will follow that up with the fact that the American athletic conference didn't even give him first team all conference. And yet he was a, a first round draft pick going into the NFL. Uh, just blows my mind to you. If you might remember had zero players on the first team this year, uh, which is pretty insane. When you look at the talent level that was on the team, seeing as we have six people uh, headed off to the NFL here uh, shortly. So um, yeah, so he went, uh, first, I guess I'll, I'll, before I move on, I'll go swing it back to you, Matt. When did you, were you watching the draft? Did you see this happen live? What did you think? All that. Uh, didn't watch it live. Saw it immediately on Twitter though. was keeping up with it. Um, super excited. I think if there's one place, I'm okay. I, and maybe I'll get, you know, attacked. I don't really know if our fans like the Cowboys or not. There's like a weird, um, split if you do, but I don't really love the Cowboys, but there's probably not a better team that he could have been drafted by. Because like one of the things that people talked about and things that we saw uh, with his time at TU is like he is incredibly talented. Like he has got the raw skill set to be a dominant player. But there are just things that I think we all know. Like he's somewhat undisciplined. Like a lot of TU's team just kind of has those issues. A lot of penalties, things like that. And like we run a slightly different, like obviously a different system than NFL is going to, um, at least on the line. And so he needs to be developed. 
and the Cowboys have one of the best offensive line rooms in the NFL. And so like he's might not be a plug and play from day one, but like had he not had he been drafted by a terrible team like Jacksonville, like it would have been probably rough for him going forward. But I expect like he's going to be in the NFL for a long time. It's yeah, my, man. No, it's my take. I, no, I agree. I, I, I was watching it live. Um, and he wasn't there at the draft unless I totally missed something, but I'm pretty sure he was doing his own thing at his house. Yeah. Uh, Cause you, they put out a video, um, of him, like getting the call and like he was at his house with all his family. Okay. And a yeah, bunch of right. people. Yeah. I remember that. Cool. Uh, so yeah, he, he wasn't there in person, but obviously you get a call like that. It's going to be freaking insane. Uh, and I saw like the athletic has a whole piece on him. Uh, just just on him i don't know if i don't think they did this for everybody uh because it's a whole thing like a whole article by chris vanini who's like a g5 mostly g5 cover and it's the headline is what tulsa offensive tackle tyler smith brings to the dallas cowboys and it's a full article just on him it's insane uh and one of the stories in there um from philip montgomery talking about like a top college highlight or like when we knew that tyler smith was the real deal right or when you really got sh- not not necessarily when he knew but maybe when other people might know Right. And his the example that Montgomery gives gives here is against the Cincinnati against Cincinnati in the AAC championship game uh, in 2020. And we he says we were driving the ball down and he got his helmet ripped off by some guy on Cincinnati's team. And uh, then he follows up. He says the next play, the poor young man that had to line up in front of Tyler. Everything's legal here, but. Tyler locks on. He starts driving his feet and just plants the guy in the ground. I mean, one of the most vicious type of blocks you've ever seen. The kid couldn't do anything about it. And you know Cincinnati's got good players. What Tyler did to him right there was just freakishly strong and aggressive. That just shows you what he can do and will do as he continues to develop. And he's, he's telling that to whoever is interviewing here. I don't know if it's Chris Vinini or not, but um, just like he's a just a freak, strong dude. And that's you. I think you hit it on the head. Like I feel like everybody's take on him is – He's got the tools. He's extremely strong and made for the NFL. He's got a discipline issue with penalties. I think he had like 12 last year by himself. And so he's got to figure that out. Um, And he's got a lot of kind of, I think he gets off balance a lot with how aggressive he can be with his footwork. Um, But like, man, he's also one of the youngest dudes in the draft. He's 21, right? Uh, He just turned 21. And so he's got time to get there and study and learn and get that under control and I think he's got everything he needs to be a, a real contributor in the NFL. So I mean, it's just an insane two years in a row of having a guy go. And, you know, Zayvon Collins had a, had an awkward year this year. I think next year is going to be a huge year for him in terms of how people think about him in the NFL. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I feel like Tyler Smith, Collins had so much expectations thrown on. Like it was just he was, you know, he won all the all the awards last year. The Arizona came out early and said he's going to start. And it didn't go super well, and then he ended up not starting for a while, and or the rest of the season really. And you know, he's got he's got maybe one or two more years to to kind of reprove himself. I think Tyler Smith, I feel like, has far less expectations, even though he went in the first round. I feel like everybody's kind of on the same page with we can develop this guy. Yeah, and that's the other that's the flip side of like Cowboys' great organization for him to go as an O line. Terrible from a fan perspective on like how much they will expect from here one i feel like is the only um, oh yeah it's like you gotta you just gotta be able to cut out the chatter uh don't you can't listen to fans with that because yeah. 
Cowboy fans are like Yankees fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were, yeah, there were a lot of, you look at their draft tweet and, oh my God, people are pissed that they picked Tyler Smith. They, they thought it was a reach. But then you look at, like, I feel like that's so common to hear in the first round for most teams. It's like, oh, we could have got this, like, quarterback or wide receiver, not this year a quarterback, but, you know, some skill team, like a skill player guy, right? Uh, and line is like, uh, I don't know, we could have got a linebacker or something more flashy. Um, but then, you know, you look from a higher level, the, I was reading the, a, a different athletic article about, and they specifically had one about the biggest reaches of the 2022 draft. And he's not in the list. It's not, he's not even in the top 10. Uh, it's not, you know, the biggest ones were the other, uh, I think this guy, was a first round. Yeah. Tw- pick 29 Cole strange. Um, the, yeah, the offensive pay- lineman the from Chattanooga took. for the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's in everybody's list. Uh, the, actually the, the biggest reach in this entire list here was the first overall pick, uh, Trevon Walker from Georgia to the Jags. Um, but yeah, there's a whole, they've got a whole list here. He's not in it. And so it's not like everybody feels this way. So, yeah, I mean, and I think, I think most people had him projected, like he was, you know, somewhere between 20 and like 35, like as like on the top. And so, and if you look at it, Cowboys, if they wanted him, which, I mean, if you take Jerry Jones at face value from that press conference, which caveat that I don't trust anything he says as a former former Rams fan, um, like Tyler Smith was their top target. And so they were not going to get him if they did not take this pick. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was a reach. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's incredible for him, incredible for TU to have two of those first rounders go two years in a row as a program in the American, a G five league. And it's just, it is just awesome. It's a huge recruiting tool. It's a huge, yeah. like, then you throw in like Travis Gibson, like becoming the de facto starter oh yeah. He is in Chicago over there. Yeah. Like that's just huge for recruiting. It's like, we can point to that. And it's like, as much as we joke about like, OU, OSU not having first round draft picks the last couple of years. And we do like that actually, you know, it does matter that can convince a kid in Tulsa, like a kid in Tulsa, who's like looking between them. He's like, I mean, Philip Montgomery has proven that he can make these local kids into NFL stars. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you add on, you know, you, so we get an offensive tackle going in the first round. We get an offensive guard going in, in the seventh round. That's Chris Paul uh, goes number 230 overall. Uh, the inaugural draft for the Washington commanders formerly the Washington football team and Washington Redskins, obviously, but uh, number 230 overall there. Um, what'd you think about that? Did you think he would go earlier, not get drafted at all? What were you thinking? I thought he would, I thought he was going to go earlier. I thought he was a f- fifth round uh, like talent. So I was kind of surprised uh, that he dropped as far as he did. Um, my buddy was asking, cause I have a friend who is a Washington fan. Uh, so he was just asking, he was like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, I mean, He's versatile. He can play every position on the line outside of center, uh, which is huge. I don't, he's not going to be a starter right out of the gate for Washington. He's going to no. be competing for that, but I think he's a solid backup for him. And I mean, like I love Chris Paul, obviously just like, yeah. as a person, he's awesome. Right. Uh, and he brought a lot of like our line had discipline issues. It was not him. Like he no. <laughs> was super good at mm. just like being a really good offensive lineman, but also making sure, you know, not to cost his team anything. And so, yeah, like, I don't know how I feel about it. Him going to Washington because I don't like Washington's not a super great run organization in my opinion. So that's kind of a bummer, but Mm -hmm. I mean, getting drafted is still awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously clearly a very talented guy. I saw some people uh, like college football scouts uh, or college football NFL scouts um, 
talking about how his hands are actually probably maybe better than Tyler Smith's, right? He's older, he's more mature, he's got some more experience with the footwork and the handwork. Um, but he, it's the raw skills. I don't know if he has as much upside, right? And so that's why Tyler Smith goes goes in the first round compared to uh, Chris Paul. But like you mentioned, his he's not a guy you got to worry about with penalties. He's not a guy you got to worry about his character. Not that Tyler Smith is that at all. Um, just talking about like you look at Chris Paul, what he does off the field, and it sticks out so like he. I've got three things here. Um, he was a member of the NCAA Division One Football Oversight Committee. Um, he was a member of the NCAA committee to promote cultural diversity and equality. And he was the chairperson of the AAC's SAAC executive board, which is like, I can't remember what SAAC stands for, but I saw him like he would go on the Americans Twitter and talk about stuff and like diversity and inclusion and things like that. And uh, he was super involved with all of this stuff outside of just football or even just outside of TU and like making it through and getting your degree. And he did all that stuff. Um, and he was, I mean, just like the best spokesperson for TU and even for the American that you could hope for. Uh, so I think all that stuff, you know, obviously when the NFL team is looking to draft a player, they're going to want the best player, but they're also, especially later in the rounds, you know, they're going to want somebody they know is not just going to be like an F up. Right. And so, you know, you're getting a good dude in Chris Paul. And I feel like that helped him out for sure. Even though I, I don't know, I didn't follow many of the mock drafts leading up. Uh, aside from like looking, I knew Tyler Smith was probably going to go pretty early somewhere in there, but uh, I didn't really follow like, is Chris Paul going? Where's he going? All this stuff. So I didn't know what to expect here. It's interesting to hear that you thought maybe fifth round or something. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I bet, I bet that was maybe a possibility. Um, but man, you start getting into the later rounds. It can, it just straight up sometimes just doesn't happen. I remember like uh, we had, I think it was like 2016. It was like uh, Keevan Lucas and uh, um, Kiaris Garrett were both like sixth round projections in a lot of these mock drafts. And I was studying for finals and I was like trying to study for finals, but the draft was happening and I was like still watching it all live and they just never went. And I lost like three hours of final studying time, which sucked. Uh, and then I was sad cause they didn't go, but like, that's just how it goes. You get to the later rounds and people are just, who knows who they're going to take. Yeah. So I was glad uh, that. Yeah. Student athletics advisory committee is. Ah, makes sense. For. Cool. Yeah. Good dude. I mean, it was just awesome. Um, yeah, the other just like meme notes <laughs> from the draft. There were so many. I mean, it was just very easy to make all these jokes and they were all very good jokes. So I'm going to read some of them. Uh, one of them comes from Chris Felica, uh, and he was saying first round draft picks last two years, right? Tulsa two, Auburn zero, Oklahoma zero, Tennessee zero, Texas zero, Wisconsin zero. And like also Texas that was the last two years. Texas has the same number of first round. They have two first round draft picks in the last 10 years that we have now in the last two years, which is just awesome. Uh, the entire big 12 didn't have anyone go in the first round the last two years, not just this year, the last two years compared to us who've had each year we've had somebody. And I mean, one that just looks horrible on the big 12, but two comparing that to us looks amazing. Uh, so that is super cool. Um, and those are the big, like a meme meme style jokes there just really good stuff and it's 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 so good to make those like i big 12's taking all our teams right there i'm sure like the the incoming teams for the big 12 had infinitely more first round draft picks than the current entire big 12 because ahmad gardner went in the first round as well he's about to be in the big 12 so just a bunch of stuff like that i feel like that's what what i saw people were like people were like well the new big 12 had like three, <laughs> yeah. and i was like 
I know. And what? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's worse. They're, they're You're insulting American yourself at this point. I know. Yeah, exactly. You guys are also yeah. we're trash talking these same teams when they were announced coming to your conference. God, so which so is true. It? Oh my god, so frustrating. I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I we we got to hit the other guys who uh, got picked up in the undrafted free agent market, and that was we had four of them. So like we've said a couple of times, we had six total headed to NFL teams. Two of them were drafted: uh, Tyler Smith and Chris Paul. Like we just said, the other four are Josh Johnson, who, man, that's the one. Like, these other three guys, I don't know if I really thought they they had a shot at being drafted. Josh Johnson definitely had a chance. Like, he was in some mock drafts, usually later rounds, um, sometimes not not in there at all. But uh, when he was in there, it was a later round, and he was in plenty of them. And so there was a chance for him to go, uh, but didn't end up happening. Like, like, has, you know, like I was just saying with uh, Keevan Lucas and Kiaris Garrett, for whatever reason, these – T wide receivers who are projected for late rounds. That's like three in a row now that uh, look like they might get drafted and then don't um, all of them. I think uh, Kieras Keevan and Josh Johnson now signed with an undrafted free as an undrafted free agent with some team. None of them uh, so far have really made an impact in the NFL. So hopefully Josh Johnson breaks that mold. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, we followed him for a bunch of years here. I think his big issue was drops. Uh, we've talked about that plenty of times on the podcast but he has a lot of upside. He's really quick. He's really shifty. He works his ass off. I think he's got a chance. So he's the one that is like, he could have gone, uh, but unfortunately he did not, but he landed with the lions. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's a good fit in that Jared Goff likes to throw short um, <laughs> yeah. to a slot guy. And I feel like that's kind of where Josh will excel. And so mm-hmm. I think it, yeah. it, it honestly kind of makes a good fit. And like I like the, the Lions, I think are finally on an uptick. Um, you know, they've had so many years of just mediocrity, if not worse than that. Um, and so I think it's a good fit for it's a good place for him to land, and also like a good opportunity because, like, he's not going to a place where he's going to have to compete, and he's not going to be able to come off the practice squad. Like, he yeah. has the potential to make the Lions roster, so it's like it's a good opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think he's got the best shot of these guys to make a team and not to say these guys can't, but I think he's got the, probably the best options. Um, so the other ones are Trevon Fuller, uh, corner went to the bills, Colin wick defensive lineman went to the Colts and big cat Tyre Stevenson defensive lineman went to the Vikings. So those guys are all there. I don't haven't done one. Okay. A couple things. One, I don't watch as much NFL as I watch college football Two, I haven't, because of that, I haven't done hardly any research on what the depth charts look, look like for these teams, the bills, Colts and the Vikings. And if there is any realistic possibility that one of these guys makes an actual roster, they're all talented. We've watched them here for plenty of years. They can do it. Javon Fuller had an awesome year here after a couple uh, kind of many years at A&M, uh, Colin wick, hell of a defensive lineman. Same thing with big cat tire Stevenson. So wouldn't be surprised necessarily if any of them made it, but also with those three, wouldn't be super surprised if they didn't. Are you, am I totally off base here, Matt? I know you watch some more NFL than I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard. The The Vikings aren't that great as of late, so Tyrese might have a good option, but their defense has been pretty solid, um, so that's going to be harder. Buffalo for Fuller. Um that's another one. I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Um, and so they've got four guys listed on their, like on their starting lineup. I don't really know defensive players by name enough to know how good these four are. 
Yeah. Uh, but so it's like they've got the talent. So he's going to, and the Bills are a strong defense too. And that's kind of a tough thing because it's like cool to go to a team that is strong in the position right. that you're playing yeah. at. But at the same time, it means there's not as much of an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to break out. Right. And so I kind of expect all of them to be practice squad players. Um, yeah. Colt, where did you say? Where's Wick? Where did he sign? Colts. With the Falcons? Colts. Eh, maybe. I don't really know enough about the Colts at this point. I know they just traded Carson Wentz. So that's, yeah. I have no idea what's happening there. They have Matt Ryan. Is that who they have now? I have no I clue. I don't remember. So, yeah, I would say my money would be Josh Johnson is where I would put my money on making a roster. Um, pleasantly surprised, though. And, I mean, there there are opportunities. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the last notes on NFL Draft are two T-related people that we have already talked about in this episode. One, a Caleb Evans um, and the other, Allie Green. Both transferred to Mizzou at the end of the year last year. I guess two years ago, if you count last season as – 2021 22 um so one of them got drafted that was a caleb evans he went in the fourth round number 118 to the vikings so he and tyra stevenson meeting up once again uh but in the nfl this time which is kind of cool and then ali green the other one who i think is a draft caliber guy but just got passed up um got drafted or got picked up as an undrafted free agent by the chicago bears so he is headed to the bears uh, no other TU guys on the Bears this year, but that is where Travis Gibson is. So that is kind of cool. I'm sure they, I don't know, Allie. Yeah, they would have known each other at TU. They would have played for with each other for a year or two. Um, so that's sweet. Um, so they'll be on the same team for a while at least if Allie makes the team. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised that Allie Green did not get actually drafted. Um, Teddy Martin on Twitter mentioned that he might have gotten hurt this year for Mizzou. And Mizzou being like my second team, I should know this, but I didn't watch nearly as much Mizzou this year uh so i don't know why but apparently Allie green might have gotten hurt at some point this season weren't that good they also weren't that good it's true um evans got drafted though uh despite them not being that good so i don't know uh then they're like i know he had a pick in their first game i remember that or caleb evans did um but their defense wasn't very good so i don't know he's got evans got all the traits he's long he's rangy uh he's a bigger corner um so i don't know I, i i don't know Allie's big too it's not just all characteristics, though. So I don't know. I don't know what happened with Allie Green, but those guys made their way to the NFL one way or the other. All right. Anything else on the draft? Are you ready to kind of knock out these last uh, last points? I'm ready. How, okay. Question, so, what does the time say on your top? Because for me, it's an hour at this point. I'm oh yeah. Oh yeah, the... baby. We are at drum roll, please. Two hours and thirty nine minutes. Holy. Oh man. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's good. Me. We right. started it. 320 something like that <laughs> it's now six o'clock uh okay uh yeah so one keelan boone from oklahoma state is not transferring to tu basketball which is a bummer because there was some real smoke around that possibly happening he apparently w- visited a tulsa practice sat in on that came to tu watched a practice or two under Concall. so you got to know that it was in his head right and obviously it had to be um but for whatever, I don't, I do not, I did not look into this after I saw the notification really, but um, he's going to Pacific, which is in the West Coast Conference. I think they finished last in the WCC last year. They were like nine and 20 or something. I can't remember. Um, they are out, I think it's uh, in Stockton, California or something like that. Um, I don't know, dude. Maybe the only thing I can think is like, you know, he's leaving Oklahoma State. He's leaving his brother. He doesn't want it 
he wants a new thing, right? He doesn't want to be in Oklahoma. He doesn't want the comparison anymore. He wants to do his own thing in his own school with his own scenario, right? And so he's going to California. <laughs> it's like, that's the only thing I can think of. Because uh, TU, we didn't have a good year last year, but like he's got to know, he's got to feel the same energy happening here. Uh, so the only thing I can think is like, he just wants a total new change of scenery, which I understand. Um, but I was so shocked when I saw Pacific of all schools being where a big time, relatively, you know, good role player, good player from Oklahoma state, uh, decides to transfer to. Um, yeah. Cause I also know nothing about these guys. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I honestly, I don't have anything to say other than I was going to be like, is it like a coach? They have a new coach or something. Um, Leonard, that, Leonard Perry is on his, yeah. it's his second year. He's coming in. He's from Texas. It was just like, is there some sort of connection? Is I don't know. Colorado man. State? Not that I know of like Pacific. I don't think so. I mean, they were terrible. They, they finished 293rd in Ken Palm. Not that Tulsa's Ken Palm rankings or anything to like look at in a positive light, but compared to them, it was pretty good. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. They must have something good going on or maybe it's just like, yeah, I just want to get to California. That's, that's all I want. Uh, yeah. So that was that, a uh, bunch of branding news. Uh, we could talk about this for a f- two hours. Uh, bleep that out, please. <laughs> I forgot that was happening. Um, but we're not going to talk about, uh, the TU stuff in depth here because that will be an episode on its own whenever actual changes are made here. But just to, to brief anyone who hasn't been following along on Twitter, mostly, um, Captain Kane has officially died. RIP Captain Kane. That is actually a thing. Brad Carson and Rick Dixon have both talked about it. Out it's not nowhere. just like, I know <laughs> literally out of, yeah, it was like not a thing anybody was talking about. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, he's actually gone. And both of them are straight up said, yeah, uh, it's, it's changing. This is not an idea that we had that we're batting around. It's that it's not coming back. Right. Captain Kane is gone. And so, he Carson has been on Twitter saying it could be something old, could be something new, could be something totally different. Uh, who knows? Right. And so you look back at, um, Carson's like Brett or his, his Twitter profile has been in the last like three weeks, um, like three different things. He had, or two different things with a little stipulation here. He started off with the old school, like cool looking Herc, uh, the strong guy with the headband, uh, the hurricane, like carrot top man. Uh, but it was before he was kind of dopey and it was back when he's got his like arm in front of him. He's flexing and it looks, it looks actually kind of good. Um, so he had that as his Twitter picture for a while for like a week. And then a week later he changed it to Huffy, our little puffy cloud man, uh, Huff the magic hurricane, uh, as we call him here. And that was it for a while. And now I think it is something different. I can't even remember what it is. It's the golden driller at this point. It's the driller. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> who knows what he's thinking? And then all the stipulation I was mentioning was he put on, on our toes. Yeah. He put on Twitter lately. Um, he was like joking around saying, maybe I'll grow my beard back. And he put two pictures side by side. And he said, maybe I'll grow my beard back so I can look like our old mascot. And the old mascot he had in question was uh, the fisherman guy from 1988. And so he's got a side by side picture of Brad Carson with a beard. Looks like he's in some Congress thing doing something. Right next to him, uh, to the right, is Fisherman Man, uh, who also has a beard. And so, who knows? I don't know what he's thinking. It could be anything. Uh, very. I mean, I think it's awesome. I, uh, obviously, I am a huge fan of Puff the Magic Hurricane, our little popcorn guy. Um, but you can't really make a mascot out of him, or at least I don't think you should 
try to do that and probably probably will result in a bad mascot. Uh, you look, I've got our little, in my little personal show notes here, I've got the, uh, there's the old collegiate article that puts like all the mascots over time, right? And the first one, uh, I guess that we had was 1977, or at least the first one, the, the article references. And it's what looks like might've tried to be a representation of Puff the Magic Hurricane. So the and wild, it is not the thing good. like that looks like where the wild things are. Exactly. It, oh, yeah. that is great. It does. It, it looks exactly like something ball. from that. Yeah. It is just, it looks bad. It looks dopey. It kind of looks scary in a weird way. It looks it's not good. very uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> yeah. Die in it. Yeah. So yeah. like you can't really make a good one out of, out of popcorn, man. Yeah. And I kind of but like, I love that so guy. You, you look at Tulane, like Tulane, the mm-hmm. angry wave is their mascot yet. They use a, a pelican yes. as their riptide. Like, on yeah as their on field kind of representative mm-hmm. um and so i'll say this like we did a poll on it um i don't remember the results off the top of my head but like the tulsa world had an article about like is like could they change the whole name and like it was 80 to 20 no please yeah. don't and like part of it is like i would be kind of bummed to change the whole name like that's been tulsa's identity and like that's a big part of it so like okay the tulsa gold that at least keeps part of it. But like, yeah, hurricane doesn't really make sense for Tulsa, except for the fact that we've had it for so long. And this would be the worst year to change it because it's the, it's coming up on like the hundred year anniversary. It's like supposed to be like the start (laughs) of next season from like when they picked it as a mascot. So it's like, are you really going to change it? 99 years. (laughs) in? like, that's just such a bummer. Yeah. Um, That's funny. And so it's like, I, was happy with captain Kane being put to rest mm-hmm. um, to me. Like, okay. He was the mascot when we came in. I think he was pretty new when we started 2008, like I think was nine. his first year. Really? Okay. So he was there for five years before us shows what I, I know. Shoot. Maybe, but, no, maybe I'm thinking, maybe that was when they like redesigned him to be a little bit less dopey. I can't remember. Yeah. But it was like something he just wasn't that like the, the superhero motif. I, it's just like, yeah. It's okay. It's a boring. golden hurricane you got to figure something out, but it's like Superman, a superhero. It's yeah. just kind of lame. It's like, it's like opinion. the cop out. It's like, Oh, we couldn't think of anything. Let's make a superhero. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what well, the story that they do is like, Oh, it's struck it by lightning. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. nah, let's just yeah. lean in, go like the yeah. hurricane with the biceps. And if he just looks like a physically intimidating hurricane, that would be pretty sweet. Like if they, if they end up going back to that, I would be cool with that. As like long as he doesn't seven style. Yeah, except cooler. Um, oh, so like, yeah, there's 2007 with with the hurricane guy. So yeah, must have been I must have been right. 2008 must have been the introduction of Captain Kane. Okay, yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. Make it look better. Make it look <laughs> yeah. more intimidating, flashy. I don't know. There's ways to do it where it doesn't look like. The one thing that always gets me is the legs are like so tiny. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So so thin. They should be like, should just wear a giant like hulk suit almost but it's yellow (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know there's a lot of ways you can go with it but i'm with you on the not changing from hurricane i did like the tulsa gold idea that was easily the best in my opinion um but i i like tulsa gold and hurricane it doesn't make any sense right because there's no hurricanes everybody knows but that also works with tu because tu is like we shouldn't have D1 athletics. We're tiny. We have no money. Like it, the, 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 it doesn't make sense for us to have sports, but we do. And so the fact that our 
mascot like name also makes no sense kind of fits i kind of like it it's like oh tulsa that's the weird school who is always kind of batting above their weight and has this weird kind of cool athletics thing going on i don't know it sticks out i, th- I think it's cool yeah and i i do get it's frustrating like i understand it's like oh people always like you have the one that comes to mind that is just terrifying is like the lady golden hurricanes which is just like no yeah that's, that's not I it know. at all i know it's like yeah. people mess it up but they're gonna mess it up regardless mm-hmm. like if it's not that they're going to call us too lane. They're going to put the wrong to you graphic. Like that yeah. just always happens because of For how sure. small we are. Mm-hmm. And so like being the Tulsa gold, I don't really think that's going to be any different than Tulane green, like green wave. Like it's still the color. Plus if we get rid of this, like right when our rivalry name is just blowing up, it's the battle of the color based water phenomenon. Like we need that has to stay. It's yeah. too bit. There's too much rich tradition around that rivalry. <laughs> it's very true. Very true. I can't lose that. But no, I I'm with you. Like, I feel like, um, you know, it, what we're going to do with mascot, who knows? Right. I, I like hurricane man, like actual hurricane carrot top guy. I think you can pull him off if you redesign him a little bit. I didn't like how he looked a lot of the time. Like a lot of the old pictures I look back at and see, I think it looked kind of dumb, but maybe you could do it right. I don't know. There's probably a good way to do it. I like the idea of going all in on the two lane style thing and having Huffy, the puff puff cloud popcorn guy be like the logo, not maybe not the logo, but like what people think of when they think of TU and then having the on field or on court mascot be the fisherman guy and like have a cool look. I don't know how you can make a fisherman look that cool, but you know, something in that style. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to do that. Maybe there's something totally different. I don't know. I haven't thought a ton about it and it's just interesting to talk about. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea which way they're going to go with it. It's very cool. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see, like, I don't know. To me, this is the first thing that, like, a lot of change is coming. This one's going to be probably relatively soon, uh, like, next couple months. So I feel like uh, it's kind of like a barometer for for how is yeah. this uh, how's this change actually going to impact. Yeah, and I mean, like with everything they're doing right now, it's all going well. So if there was ever a time to change the mascot, I feel like when you're on this winning streak of constant positive change, now's the time, like ride their wave. Right. And they already did the, the slight branding update with the script. I think, oh man, the more I look at that, the more I love it. Like I was looking at, we got a little media pamphlet in the mail recently for, I think it was just athletics or whatever. I don't know. They probably some season ticket thing. Um, but oh my God, the front of it was this foldable cover back with the new script, like the updated script. It looked amazing. It was noticeably better in my opinion than the old one. Not that the old one was bad, but it just looked cleaner. It looked more modern. I I was a huge fan, uh, back then. I still am even more these days. So I'm loving that along with the new script. They, they just like a few days ago announced that they're going to drop the all caps T-U-L-S-A Tulsa word, word mark. Uh, which I love. I don't like it on the baselines. I think it looks bad. I don't like it on the jerseys whenever we do use them. I don't think we use them in football at all anymore, Um, but we use them in in a bunch of other sports. And I think it's lazy. I think it's dumb. I think it doesn't look good. The script is a classic. It looks great on every uniform I've ever seen it on. Like, just go all in with that. Get rid of the other one. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. What did you think about the word mark? Did you like, because some people replied and were like, I kind of liked the all caps, but I really don't. Yeah, I so what it reminds me most is like the basketball jerseys when I just did not like the basketball jerseys when we had like those four <laughs> colorways. Um, so, I mean, I like the script. I feel like the script is more Tulsa. Um, mm-hmm. I know you and I would all often talk about 
the basketball baselines and how it just looks kind of awkward the way it says like Tulsa golden hurricane, like all weirdly. Oh, you're talking about football. I'm just talking like every, like football in the end zones, basketball on the baselines. uh, Like they would have it just like, I don't know. It doesn't, maybe I'm blanking. I thought the, I thought the basketball baselines both on both sides just said Tulsa in all caps. Does one of them say golden hurricane? Maybe, maybe, maybe they just, both say Tulsa. Maybe I'm just conflating the two sports. Um, I know football way, does the kind of awkward format. Tulsa. Yeah, or, I, I hate that. The spacing on that is what drives me insane, but they yeah. both do at least all caps. And so I just like a single cohesive brand just makes sense. And I would much rather stick with the script uh, than anything else. Yeah. I mean, totally agree. I, 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 the, I don't know. I've never felt as bad about the football end zones that I think a lot of people, I know a lot I, of people don't like them, but I, I think hate, it looks kind just, of, kind of different it. and cool. It's not the, but it's not the same all caps. It's not the same font. It's, it's not no, this all caps. It's, Tulsa it's awful in a different way in my opinion. No, I mean, I know what you're saying, but it's, yeah, it's just not the same thing that they're phasing I, out. So I'm not, I don't think they're going to get necessarily get rid of that. Is, they might not. Point. And that would be a bummer, but I don't think it's that bad, but no, I mean, I, I think I might be in the minority with that opinion. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay. I think that was everything. Um, yeah, I think we can probably call it, uh, probably (laughs) I'm saying this as if like, Oh, should we talk about more three hours later into this episode? Uh, yeah, no, not going to do that. We will. If you have listened this far, you're, uh, you're incredible. What was our previous longest? It just happened like three weeks ago. Was that, did we hit three hours? No, we've, this is, we've never hit three hours. I want to say, I didn't think so. It's like two and a half or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was our basketball coach one. Yeah. We might hit it. We got, we got sick. We got to get out of here in five and a half minutes. Okay, here we go. Uh, merchandise. We have it. Go buy it. They'll go on hurricast.com slash merch. We're about to get new hoodies. Matt said it. Uh, the yellow, the yellow gold color on it will be slightly updated to be a little bit more yellow than orangey gold. Um, so if you didn't like it for that reason, then we have a new color coming out. Uh, we also have stickers coming soon. Uh, probably very soon. I don't know later, when that later. will be. By the time we drop this, maybe. Oh, baby. Did not even know it was that soon. That's awesome. So stickers coming out. Very good. Not like your uh, red bubble style, like super basic sticker, like a good sticker, like nice quality sticker. Um, so look out for those. Those will be awesome. All right. Go ahead. I thought you were going to say was, something. I was just going to say, yeah, they're like three three inches by three inches, like good circle. Like they're laptop stickers. They are made to be shown off. I will sick have so many of them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Cause we've got some like super old, like ones we got in like year we two or our old, our old Vista print stickers. Yeah. And they have the old logo, aren't they? Before we redid it or no, did we get it? We got some new ones. I got it like, right. Well, cause I had our logo design before we had officially used it. So I yeah. had started making stickers before we had switched completely. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Uh, keep an eye out on the merch website. Uh, we will have some new stuff showing up there. Like we just talked about. Um, again, that's thegoldenhuntercast.com slash merch. And finally, this is our last episode of the year. As we've already talked about, fifth year of the podcast will begin in August. That will be season five. Crazy to say that out loud. We've only, we've been doing this for a full four years now, basically, which is which is pretty wild. Um, talked about it a lot already, but man, what a hell of a year it's been for the podcast. Talked a, talked a lot about the great guests that we've had on. Um, that was incredible. Of all the things from this year, that was the biggest difference to me this season. We've had a lot of guests the past couple of years, 
but this season was like, it was the big ones. It was like the, the, the really cool ones, you know? So that was awesome. Uh, lots of merchandise for the first time. Forexed our subscriber numbers because <laughs> we went from one to four, I think was the number or something like that. Uh, so thank you very much to Tulsa Hop for helping us out there with the amazing offer to uh, buy tickets, uh, basketball tickets for people who subscribe. I'm pretty sure that is still an open offer if you are interested in subscribing. Yeah, uh, you can go you to... be subscribed like from before basketball now. season, I think. Yeah. 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 And, and you can do that, uh, at anchor.fm slash the golden hardcast. So go check that out or on our website. Um, and thanks by the way, to the new subscribers. Those are Cody Mullins, Brett Gwartney and Beth Kirshner. Uh, thank you all very much for supporting us. We also had a couple people give us just a one-time donation. I think that was Alex Exum. I can't remember. Uh, I know it was at least him. I think maybe there were one or two others, but thank you very much to all of you uh, for supporting us. It means a ton, keeps us going, keeps us excited, makes us want to do more stuff. It's very cool. Um, so yeah, thank you everybody for caring and listening. Uh, it's been a hell of a year for both of us. Um, if you are still here listening at this point, you're the best. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you listen to us. Uh, we're all over the place. Drop us a rating and a review over there too. It does actually help. Helps people find the show, stuff like that. Um, again, if you want to support us, you can find all the different ways to do that at our website, uh, thegoldenhurricast.com slash support. Uh, you'll find all those ways there. Um, merchandise and, and subscribing and all that stuff. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Honestly, kind of thinking about closing down that Instagram account over the summer. We'll see. I'll talk to you about that later, Matt. Uh, but at least on Twitter, at goldenhurricast. And if you want to shoot us an email, you can do that too. And the email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you dot, dot, dot sometime, maybe probably in the summer when we have a new mascot. Stay golden. Hurricane. <laughs>